Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> right, not, not, not like last week, Sam, when you were using bad words right before we came on. I never oh, use bad oh, words now. Come on, don't curse. Don't do that. You like that. Well, use a, use a, well, bad words for Sam. Like, well, bad words for Sam. Bad words for us. Use a term that was borderline. Let's, let's say that. Let's I got you. All right, we're here on Talking Preps. We're, we're um, about to get started. We're waiting on the, the uh, contrarian, Alex Bass, to log in. And he's texting me right now. So he's got to uh, get Chris, he's Chris, get Chris is going to be here. Out. Everybody's going to be here tonight. we got a full house. We're going to have a really fun show. Um, everybody's ready to go. If you guys have comments tonight, I'm going to turn the comments on. I think Uh-oh. I'm going to turn the comments on so you guys can can uh, can comment if you want to comment. I think they should work tonight. Last week they weren't working. But uh, hopefully they'll work tonight. So let's hit the button and uh, let's get started. Let me find the button. All right, we're here. It's talking preps. How's everybody doing? Great, real good. Good. Well, y'all sound real excited. <laughs> <laughs> ready to go. All right, ready to go. Uh, all right, we're gonna go to. Let me look at where we're supposed. To be. We're supposed to be on rapid fire, so we're gonna get to. Gary, um, Steve Wilkes was hired by the Panthers yesterday. You know, biggest news in, in the in the state, really. Um, West Charlotte graduate. He's the fourth black coach in the NFL right now. Uh, how big a deal is that, and what can he do to get a year two? Uh, it's a huge deal simply because uh, there are three things that the NFL owners tend to be reluctant to hire. Okay, one is an African American. Two is anybody from the defensive side of the ball, mm. which he's he's a part of. And three, uh, someone who doesn't come from the tree of um, these young offensive gurus. And, you know, Steve is kind of uh, a lot older than most candidates for a job right now. I wouldn't say a lot older, but he's in his early 50s. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for him to get this opportunity is unique in itself, um, but good jobs don't come open, especially for African-Americans on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Todd Bowles lucked out with mm-hmm. Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians set it up that way. Yeah, But it's very rare that somebody gets a second opportunity uh, from the defensive side of the ball that happens to be African-American nowadays. Um, the odds are stacked against him. Yes. <laughs> uh, we, we know that the Panthers are, are very, very suspect at quarterback. And the quarterbacks, you know, they got a, a room full of boots. They got three quarterbacks in yes. a boot. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's you know what the kid, the kid they drafted, Matt Corral, they thought might could be the future of the franchise. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate he has Liz Frank because he would really have like twelve weeks to kind of as a test run to prove himself. No doubt in the NFL. So that's a, that's a huge loss. But Gary, how did you meet Coach Wilkes? I thought I thought that was an interesting story you were talking about. That. Well, um, the first time I ever saw him, of of course, is when he was a high school player at West Charlotte. Right. Um, then um, we went to the same barbershop. Um, but the, the way I got to, to know him is he's a, a chapter brother of my best friend in, in our fraternity, Omega Sci-Fi. Uh, they both, you know, played at App. We're in the chapter up there. And I had met him a couple of times. But during the pandemic, uh, one Saturday, I invited my best friend over. We would sit out back around the fire pit and, and watch football. And he said, well, uh, Steve's in town. Uh, is it all right if I bring him over? I was like, sure. And so uh, Steve came over to the house and uh, we sat out back uh, all afternoon one Saturday from about one o'clock to almost six, six o'clock watching football, mm-hmm. talking football, talking West Charlotte, talking about, you know, the differences between uh, college coaching and, and pro coaching and you know, some of the things he had gone through throughout his career, you know, how he moved up and, you know, and we also talked about <clears throat> things unrelated to football and, uh, the you know, the day just went by. I called Jupiter Wilson, who doesn't live far from me, and he came over and, you know, he, he talked football with Jupiter and we just hit it off real well. And uh, before you know it, his phone was ringing and, you know, it was his wife on the phone and, and he's just like the rest of us. His wife had left him a honeydew list on a Saturday, and he had forgotten all about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was like, oh, man, I got to go. My wife, she just called and asked me had I done so-and-so, and I, I hadn't done it yet, so I got to get back home. But a yeah. uh, real great guy down to earth. Um, Sam will tell you, he, he loves West Charlotte. I mean, yeah. he was – Well, he, is, he, that, is that true, Sam? Does he, love, does he love West Charlotte, Sam? Is that true? He loves West Charlotte so much, he dropped a check to help us get uniforms the first year I was there. Um, his shoe game is unreal, too. He got a little swag to him. I'm going to let you know that now. He, yeah. His shoe game is nice. It's always got a fresh shape up. You know, Gary's shape up went south a little bit, but his stayed true from the same barbershop. <laughs> yeah. But you're talking about a guy that's a, it's a stand-up guy. The first time I ever met him was in 2017 in a, in a brunch. And uh, his wife was talking and he was talking and he he just did an amazing job of communicating just life skills. And I tell you what, he is diehard West Charlotte. Even this, even this year, he came through and sat in my office for about an hour and a half before the Mallet Creek game. And we talked just, you know, not just football, but just life itself. And this is before he knew he was going to get the head job at, uh, for the Panthers. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is not the way he wanted to get it. Uh, he was all for the regime that's there because he's been on the other side of that coin. And uh, I think he'll do a great job. I think you're going to see a man that was given an opportunity by God, and I think he's going to make the most of it. And you're going to see something great. I know that he has a tough hand with no quarterback or whatnot, but I think that he's going to do a great, great job. And you're going to see the Panthers turning around. I really believe that. Real quick, Sam, 30 seconds. How how much pride was there at school today where the kids kind of – Really excited that, you know, somebody that graduated from that place was, you know, in the most important sports job in town. 
I think the majority of the student base didn't necessarily know, but I think that the football team knew really well. They actually, the news came and talked to a few of our kids and they knew exactly who he was because he was on our sidelines for the Mallard Creek game, interacting with the kids. I mean, he is a stand-up West Charlotte grad and he represents it to the fullest. I mean, he's what you want to be. That's why I want to retire West Charlotte, see the pride that he has. I want to be a part of that. I'm like, I'm like jealous that he has so much pride for his high school, and I think it's it's honorable. Absolutely. Chris, in Virginia this past weekend, a team was up 91 to nothing at halftime. They won 112 to 16. We talked on the show last week about the situation in Raleigh where the coach was mad because his team, they only lost 49 to 7, I think it was. But he, he thought the, the coach would run up a score. They didn't want to shake hands. Um, what do you make of this? What, 112 points. What do you make? Is that running up the score? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, I've been on both sides of a blowout as a coach. I've been on the, the good side, and I've certainly been on the bad side. Um, you know, I think that there is certainly an etiquette to blowing out a team as a coach, but I also think that there is an etiquette in being blown out as a coach. You know, if you're, if you're getting beat that bad, you need to just run the ball, milk the clock, shorten the game to the best of your ability. Um, and, and likewise, if you're winning a game like that, you, you need to try your best not to embarrass that team. But on the other side, you know, I've seen some players get career games uh, who maybe would have never seen the field. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell a kid not to run hard. I'm not going to tell a kid who maybe has never scored a touchdown never to try to score in a situation like that because you want those guys who's possibly seeing the field for the first time ever to, to do what they can do to shine. Uh, but with that being said, I don't think – I mean, maybe it's running up the clock, but again, I mean, was this a conference game? Was this a non-conference game? Yeah, I don't know. Why was it put together? Um, I, I was a part in seeing a 97 to nothing game up close, and, and it was uh, <laughs> quite a spectacle to be seen. And I still put much of the blame on the losing coach as much as I did the winning coach. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was it? 91 to nothing at halftime? 91 nothing at halftime. Yeah. 12 to 16 is the final. So you're going to know this is happening early in the first quarter. And sometime in the first quarter, you need to start bringing in those kids that never play. Uh, I think you keep playing, but you but you play with your lesser players and give them opportunity. You can't ever tell anyone not to play and not to try to, to get a first down or get a touchdown or, or whatever. Uh, but you should give those kids that are not getting that opportunity, give them that time now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of running clocks and uh, laying down and, and giving things up. I don't like running. I don't like running scores up on teams. I, I would prefer to just give an opportunity and quite honestly, you probably knew going into this game you were going to blow them out anyway. So maybe you raise up some JVs for this game and play uh, as well and give them an opportunity to play. I think there's lots of things you could do that might have lowered the score a little bit and given more kids an opportunity to get on the field. Yeah, I agree with what Dale and Chris uh, said. I think it's important to – like, look at the fact that is the coach for the, you know, winning team trying to run up the score, you know, are they continuing to pass when the score might be a three, four, five touchdown game, or are they running and, you know, not, you know, it's clear that they're not trying to, you know,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply continue to score putting in guys that may not see the field often you know that kind of thing I think is where the line is drawn between running the score up and just it being a being a blowout game yeah. Grace um North Carolina goes to running clock in the second half when there's a 42 point differential um but that also as Dale alluded to limits the reps that some of your young guys might get during that situation do you think North Carolina should punt on a mercy rule Oh, absolutely not. I think the situation, especially in North Carolina, teams that have been good have been good for a while. Teams that have not, I think, you know, early in the year, you have a great indicator you know, within these conferences, at least here in the Queen City for sure, of those teams that are that much better than the opposing team. So, you know, in those games, of course, you may not, you know, the time you may normally spend, you know, dealing with strategy and ensuring that, that you're able to, you know, hit a team where it hurts. You know that you're out athleting teams are doing better than, than some of these guys. Then, you know, it might be worth it to get a plan together to make sure your guys get the reps. I mean, we've seen a lot of these games, even this year, I, I could probably count six, seven on, on one hand um, this year where you saw in the first half teams had already reached that mercy rule and people know, hey, even if it's 35 nothing, knowing that one more touchdown gets it in the running clock, that other team can't come back. I mean, unless you're trying to put this in, you'll make it a show for the papers, get those guys in, get those reps and start doing everything that you can to be successful. If we're in conference, we're in conference. You know, all conference numbers are dictated on this. You know, you look at different things that may look at it for guys. Guys may be getting the opportunity to go play at the next level. So I'm going to do what I can to put, you know, put a guy in position. We had a second-string quarterback, you know, to give him some confidence. We still threw the ball in the game for us uh, when we were up. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't to make, you know, to make light of it. It was a play that we had ran um, previous, you know, previous and the defense just didn't react to it the way that, that was beneficial for them. So my thing is, is if you know that this is a situation where guys are, you know, are going to have the chance to get in the game, cycle them through, get your starters out because nothing great happens in the running clock. I thought of penalties, injuries, and fights. Yeah. Kind of like what Grice said. I remember a, a situation involving uh, West Charlotte and when coach Knox was there and, and they had a reputation of, of really pouring it on teams at one point. And they did that, and one of their best players got hurt for the season. And they didn't have him the following week uh, in the playoffs. I can't remember the player's name or the, the game. But ever since that situation ha happened, I was always conscientious about playing starters um, in the second half of games that were already won because that's what can happen is you lose somebody important because you're trying to prove a point. And, you know, once once the game is secured, get them out. Cameron. Oh, you want me to jump in here too? Yeah, you said you wanted to jump in. Well, I just I put, you know, no, I didn't think, you know, they should get rid of the mercy rule because, I mean, I speak from a reporter's standpoint, you know, how, I guess, drawn out would that be to sit there win a 45-52 nothing game and the clock's not running, you know, if, especially if a team's trying to run the score up, if there's mm. bad blood between the coaches or whatever the situation may be. And, I mean, wait, you can be there all night. The uh, 
the one thing that I think you need to look at, there's so much RPO. So, like, this is one thing we got to look at as coaches or be able to teach this aspect is say you're up 42 nothing or something like that and there's a running clock going. And um, it's late in the third quarter, you're driving, and you keep whipping that, you know, hash-to-hash throw on an RPO. You should basically tell them it's not an RPO anymore. It's a run option only instead of a run pass option. I think that could be the only way where a coach looks like he's calling a pass play, even though he's not calling a pass play there to try to run it up. It's just the quarterback's making the read he's been doing all week. It's something you might need to go through. Hey, this series, we're calling this play. It might be an RPO. Keep keep handing it off, even though if you see that Sam linebacker stepping up or what case, you know, keep the ball running. That could be the only thing get dicey between. Sam, coaches. would you get mad though if my second string quarterback was getting a little rep throwing the ball and we were up big on? No, the I'm talking about more first string type guys. Oh, I, know that. I, okay. I got no. And if I'm up big on you in the second half, my second string guys throwing the ball, get some reps. Would you get mad? No, I got I got no problems. I I mean, if I the only time I would see something if it's some type of like design reverse pass type deal because i've seen it on both ends like your kids are fighting and clawing like say there's a team that's totally you know outmatched in a way mm-hmm. and um you can't even compete with the team you're talking about kids that start you, you still have to ride the bus back home with those guys don't matter if you're fighting or not you're trying to stay into the game you just can't and what you do is you start depressing people where they don't even want to play no more you see did what I'm you, saying? Did you get mad about running a hitch and go on you on the second to last play of the game? Yes, yeah, so a hitch and go, and you were up 42 nothing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say nothing because I feel like we got to guard anything. I'm a defensive minded type person, but Sam I'm, 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 I'm Mac, baby. Sam, not swag. Sam, you're not swag. He didn't get what I was talking about. He didn't get us about. Tim, Ryan, I don't know what Norris means, so you got to expand on that for me. Um, Chris, uh, statistics showed him more than. Set, uh, less than 7% of all high school classes are going to play in college, and only about 2% are going to play football in Division One. How do we help the rest of these athletes transition to life after football? Because we saw during COVID, when football was taken away, a lot of them have problems with depression. A lot of them, that comes every single year. Yeah, you know, uh, that's a tough question right there uh, because, again, you know, I've been dealing with high school athletics as a coach, as a media member for a long time, and and, and you see all these great guys who, you know, we lovingly look back on and say, man, they had a great career. You know, they were a great high school player. You know, they may not have gone to college, but, you know, they gave it their all for their town, their community, their school. And, and, and you know, you want to appreciate and, and memorialize their careers for things like that. Uh, but, you know, putting on those pads for the last time, you know, these players just have to understand that only a small, minute few are, are going to have that opportunity to move on to the next level. And, and, of course, you know, contrary to what some of the recruit services out there try to lead parents to believe that you've got a chance to go play here and there and everywhere, which all of us really know just ain't the case. Uh, you know, these guys are ultimately going to play their final game and their final home game and their final playoff game. And it's hard. I've seen that. I've had to comfort those kids. I've had to, you know, see those kids firsthand. And, and it's a hard, hard walk back up to the locker rooms after a final game. You know, I don't I don't really know what the answer is, but I just know that it, it is just a tough, tough deal uh, that ultimately uh, is, is just not fun for the kids, the parents, the coaches. Uh, but, you know, hopefully, you know, and I've seen this happen a lot to me and I know Gary and some of the guys and Grice have probably seen this. You know, you start to see late in some of these kids careers almost become coaches on the field in their positions. And you kind of see the light flicker in them and you see some of those guys come back and help a team out maybe while they're in college or ultimately get back into coaching. And I think maybe that's their way of prolonging their uh, 
being a part of the sport. Alex. You're on, sir. It's live TV. Uh, yeah, so can you see me on screen? My screen is blank. Yeah, I can see. You. Yeah, we got you. Okay, got you. Okay. What we're seeing here is the reality of why the 2.0 semester GPA eligibility rule for which Charlotte Mecklenburg schools should be lauded and applauded time and time again should be in place. Praise be Charlotte Mecklenburg schools for its exemplary leadership and visionary planning in support of the efficacy of education-based athletics. So for all of you who, who claim that I'm not a Charlotte Mecklenburg fan, there you go right there. So <laughs> what this means- I was wondering what that was about, by the way. <laughs> so what this means in this situation is it's not a matter of helping high school athletes transition to life after football. That's an ongoing detail. That's part of the education-based athletics process, right. day in and day out. It's not an end game when you get to your last game. That's part of the formation. That's why it's so important that if you can't meet that 2-0 requirement per semester, you should not be playing. There are other things that have to be put in place to put you in a position to be successful as a school or a student athlete. So how can high school athlete, how can how can we help high school athletes transition to life after football? It is an ongoing formational endeavor that begins with asserting and reaffirming time and time again that the student precedes the athlete. That's why Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools 2.0 semester rule should be a norm in all LEAs because of what it does to support that. It's not just a one-shot deal at the end. It's an ongoing formational process. Formational process. All right, Tim Prof uh, got back to me. He said, West Charlotte was up big when Venturi Bam Norris scored a touchdown, hurt his knee right before the playoffs. I guess they were in the game and they didn't necessarily need that. So. Yeah. I knew it was somebody from West Charlotte. I yeah. remember that. So it goes, yeah, they, they had a lot of games where they were big on people. And sometimes mm -hmm. probably wouldn't turn, turn the faucet off sometimes. But, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. could be happening. Um, uh, Alex, two weeks ago, Gracie Smith from Asheville became the first girls football player to ever play there. Uh, Providence Day kicker Sydney McCorkle but was the first girls football player to ever play in a private school game. And she was the first, obviously, to, to score points in the game. She actually got a scholarship uh, uh, to uh, Sawani a couple weeks ago. You think this is going to continue, and do you like to see it? If you ball, you will get the call, said Jonathan Grice. Next question. <laughs> what do you think, Dale? <laughs> Just like I said, Hold on. let's let that happen. I was putting her highlight up there. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dale. Yeah, just like I, I – I told uh, one of our coaches here uh, when we were off camera that you're going to lose to a, a female kicker one day yeah. and it's going to be a field goal, not just a, uh, uh, a PAT. Now this is I crazy. Think you can, I think if you can play at any position on the field and you want to, and you're willing to, then they should be out there. And I believe that girl kickers will, will, will see more of them yeah, in yeah. high school. I tend to agree with you there. I think I think that is definitely uh, definitely going to be happening. Uh, the more and Sydney uh, McCork was actually making fifty yarders at Furman Camp 
Uh, right. So I mean, she's she's really good, and I, I like to see it. I like to see it. Um, all right, it's time to. I was going to go to Grice's gyms, but I see my man uh, Will uh, Will Ross is here from South Point. So Sam, are you you ready to face this young this young? Uh, up on Sam. Had to move yeah, him early. We're gonna go, we're gonna oh, go, yeah, we're gonna go a little early. We're gonna go a little early. That's what was it? What position you play? Uh, I play safety. Oh gosh, the leader of the defense too, making yeah. all the calls in the back. What yeah. do you guys run on defense predominantly? Um, we run a uh, four three. Four three. You run cover two behind it. You run cover three. You mix it up a bunch. Mix. You ain't gonna give me no. I, I, I mean, we might see you in the playoffs. <laughs> you gotta, to little, you gotta go to the playoffs. Man. I mean, I'm trying to get a little something from a man. You know, a little hint. What do you call? What do you call your cover two? Uh, I mean, I don't want to tell you everything. Hey, we, hey, we're just a little brotherly love right now, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you after the season, or you can after find out season. every play. Or we oh, can what's it start? What's it start with? What letter does it start with? You have a code name for it. We always have a code name. Hey, Sam, you trying to get out of my man's business? I know you guys lost last week to Kings Mountain. Man, I know it was a, a really good game. You had 14 tackles, I think you, it was, and, and you have you got 58 for the season. You guys are off to a great start. Talk about the season so far, and I know you want to get another shot at Kings Mountain, but talk about the season. Tell me about that game specifically. Uh, I feel like our season is doing pretty good right now. I mean. Our team is kind of focused this week just because of the game last week. But overall, just coming out and being as a team and coming out 6-0, and uh, I felt like that was a pretty good little – it's like to set the tone a little bit. But yeah, then we got humbled really quick last week, so I felt like we deserved that, you know. Yeah. Um, what do you think you guys have to do? Because you probably got to play Kings Mountain to get – you know, to go all the way. They look like a really strong team. What do you think you guys are going to have to do to get to a, a, a regional championship game? Uh, really just kind of work together and not uh, always have the word I in our sentences. We need to mm. like start playing with we more because uh, during this game, it was a lot of I's and there was not a lot of we's, you know. Was it good to face a little adversity, though, so you can get that out of your system? So, I mean, because Absolutely. sometimes when you're winning every week, you can get a little bit of, you know, a little, little ahead of yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was pretty good to uh, uh, face that a little bit. And, you know, we came back a little soft and now this week we're a little bit more prepared yeah you got a big game against ashbrook coming up sam what do you see in this guy's highlights you, I, I wanted you to look a little bit before i asked you before this I past you. game this is a lot of the king's mountain game right here it looks like yeah i mean he's is, making yeah. a lot of tackles the only bad thing i say if you're a deep player um there's one rule if he had 14 tackles they probably lost the game you know he's probably hoping in the game with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Like this, he doesn't make that many tackles because that means the guys in front of him are making more tackles in the box. Um, He's... He's really good. He has great eye control. You can tell he can run sideline to sideline. That's why he's playing. Like that right there is a great play. Um, he's He's got a great act for it. Got a chiseled jaw. Looks like he can stick his head in there and make a good hit. Uh, doesn't get beat over the top. He's just back. His first step is back. He's reading his threats. And he's doing returns. So he's actually one of the better athletes on the team. You know, you can definitely tell he's probably 
if not the fastest guy on their team. Would you say that, Will? You want the fastest on the team? Uh, probably the fastest. Yes, probably the fastest. <laughs> yeah. See, like right there, they're running the alley. It's really yeah. good. I mean, he could have thrown, angle, like, thrown his shoulder in there a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? He had to bow up. You know, he could have bowed up right there. Like you're going to have to bow up right now on this game show, brother. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, he goes to the West Charlotte. There's a chance you guys could be playing each other. That's why he's trying to get all your secrets. He might play in the playoffs. He's trying to get your secrets to, to what you guys are doing. How big a deal is this game against Ashbrook? How big a game is that, Belmont, against Gastonia? Uh, I feel like everybody likes to have a little rival going on with us, but really it's yeah. never a rival when you're blown out every single time. <laughs> really our rivals are probably just Crest. Crest is our probably our biggest rival. But, yeah. you know, school camera, everybody says that's a rival. But, you know, 44, 13 or something like that. And people are saying that about Ashbrook, too. So we just got to show everybody else that, you know. Right, did you grow up in this rivalry? Did you, did you grow up in this rivalry? Is, is it new to you? Uh, the Crest one or? The Crest one. Uh, I grew up in it. Like, uh, my freshman year, it was always Crest. Yeah, okay. All right. Crest well. and Preston for you. All right. All right. Cool. Hey, All right, so well, how come you don't run the rock for your team? Uh, our coaches don't like running both ways. Uh, I've been put back there a little bit. You know, I go on there and team up uh, two minute. So I'll come okay, back. Two and, minute guy. Mm-hmm. See, I I'll got a little back. advice right there. You see that? You see how I delivered that in right there? That's nice. <laughs> you know, come to playoffs, they might turn them loose. They're trying not to get them hurt. And if you run against you in the playoffs, you might not like No, them. see, you don't film anyway. Yeah. Well, right. now when you come on the show and you talk about your team and your and, your, and, your, uh, and yourself, that's all fine and good. But you got to take on Coach Griner on what we call the game show. It's a multiple choice thing. The questions will come up on the screen. You'll answer the first question. He'll answer the second. We'll go back and forth. There's five questions. I only ask one thing of you, though, sir. You must beat him. Okay. He's been sliding by with these ties and stuff lately, so you you must beat him. He must. I think he. I think you're a losing record over all the seasons. I've lost one time. I've yeah, lost one yeah, but week. Yeah, you, you got like all ties and one loss, I think. No, I don't. I got three wins, two ties, one loss. I don't remember three wins. I don't. Chelsea, you remember Sam winning three times? No. No. <laughs> okay. No. All right. I can't uh, wait for that deal. I remember a whole they lot of ties. I remember a whole lot of ties. That's <laughs> All right. I got to play some theme music. So on the backside of his theme music, we'll get started with. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. All right, Alex Bass, here we go. Matt Rule was fired as Panthers head coach Monday. Several members of the current team played for him in college. One of those is listed here. Who is he? A, Christian McCaffrey. B, Brian Burns. C, Robbie Anderson. D, Shai Smith. All right, Will, let's get off to a good start. What you got? Uh, I'm going to say Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson. What do you got, Samuel? Uh, I'm going to go B, Brian Burns. Oh, you in the hole, Sam. You are in the hole. My man, Will. Robbie, Anderson, right Robbie Anderson is extremely old. How did he play for Represent, you played for him at Temple. Represent. Oh, Temple. I was thinking about Baylor. God, Representing. It's not good. You knew that? You knew that? That was a, that was a guess. That's wow. all right. Yeah, guesses work. Belmont. Oh, they work. Yeah. Unbelievable. I love it. All right. Uh, Chelsea is up. In 1986, new Panthers coach Steve Wilkes led West Charlotte to the 4A state championship game. The number one song that year raised money to fight a terrible disease. What was the name of the song? A, that's what friends are for. B, say you, say me. 
C, alive and kicking, or D, human? Uh, that's what you said. Yeah. It's live TV. I know. Is it, can I think for a second? I'm in the hole here. <laughs> Man, the I'm going to say C, alive and kicking. Alive and kicking. What you got, Will? I'm going to say D. D, human. The answer is uh, A, that's what friends are for. Dionne Warwick and friends. Uh, the song mm. was written for AIDS. So we are still, Sam is still in the hole, one nothing. I was trying to give you something you might have a, a shot at that he wouldn't know because he's just because I don't know. I, look, you go Christian music, I'm on it, brother. That's it. I've told you that in the past. You don't never go that anymore. I did go Christian. I went Christian music like one time out of that on 40 shows. When, when uh, when Pat Man was on here, we went Christian music and I and I knocked it out, beat Pat. You did, I beat him. Although, although you flirted with disaster, Alex, go ahead. In 2016, South Point won the North Carolina 3A state title. Who did the Red Raiders beat 16-7 in the championship game? A, Havelock, B, Jacksonville, C, Rocky Mount, D, Southern Nash. All right, Will, you said you grew up in it. I'm going to say Southern Nash. Southern Nash. Samuel. Yeah, I'm going to say D as well. The answer is C, Rocky Mount. Rocky Mount had beaten South Point in the year prior. I think it was 24-21 maybe in overtime. Uh, and then they came back to Yeah. I saw both of those games. Mm. All right, so we are still – Sam is still in the hole. And, uh, I don't think I got a question right in a while now. Let's go. No, you, you, you're getting too hard school. now. You're, just, you're, you're making it you're too difficult. Let's go, Chelsea. Which female artist has the most top ten t- hits of all time? A, Janet Jackson, B, Madonna, C, Taylor Swift, or D, Rihanna? Samuel. You're going like pop code. I'm gonna go see Taylor Swift. I don't have a Taylor Swift. See Taylor Swift. All right. Will, what you got? I'm gonna say D. Rihanna. D. Rihanna. The answer is Madonna. No. I'm living in the material world. No, I had that one right. That was the material world. Sam, the, the best you can do, Sam, is another tie. Will, you're going first on this last question, and you can knock him out cold. You like country music, Will? A little bit, a little bit. Oh, what is up with the what is up with the mu- like music questions all of a sudden? Let's go, Alex. Leanne came up with these. Let's go, Alex. I don't have a clue. This song, "You Poof," has been number one on the country charts for two weeks. Who is he? A. Morgan Wallen. B. Luke Combs. C. Zach Bryan. D. Cole Swindell. Is on you, Will. I'm gonna say Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen. Samuel, what you got? I'm gonna go D. It's too bad. The answer is A. You lose. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, even if you I guessed right with him, I couldn't win. Lose. I, was right. I didn't get one question. Let it go. He you lost. Went. Oh, yeah. Straight L. I can't, I can't even. I have to get well, him next week, Jesse, when he starts talking about he had all these ties, just remind me that he lost this week. Mm-hmm. He went down. Stuck down now for ties. Yeah, you, how, many, how many music questions did you give? Who's giving these questions? Leanne was doing it. I'll do the questions next week. I mean, my I God, do, I don't know music outside of I Christian do, music. I'll do the questions. I'll do the questions next week. Hey, brother. Well, man, thanks, I'm gonna get, I'm, I'll, correct that, I'll correct that A on the playoff. <laughs> that dog, that dog, <laughs> makes a dog in there shaking his head. But, Will, good luck, man, against Ashbrook. Hopefully we'll see you in the playoffs later on this year, all right? 
Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for having right, me. Man. Take care, What's up, man. Hey, he he ran it up on you, Sam. Oh, he, hey, mercy rule yeah. for Sam. Goodness. <laughs> yes, he did. He I can't. I, I can't. I wanted to get Sam. Me. How did I get the country music question right in the back, Sam? How? <laughs> I got it right in the back, and you didn't. I don't want to hear it. Right, let me explain something to you, Grice. Okay. If I guess the same answer with him, I automatically lose. I, I, I don't I want care. To he, like, that was a finisher. That was like the finishing move. Country music yeah. question. He finished you, Sam. I'm right, sorry. So you got one. If you got one question, if you're down in the hole one, okay, and you Sam, guess you the same that. answer, you're you're basically you got, four you got to finish with some honor and respect, Sam. You got to finish. with honor some honor and respect. Sam's getting a little heated. Sam's getting a little heated at his lack of success in the game show. <laughs> Randall's telling me. Randall told me that he wants to play you in the game show, so we do the basketball, the basketball, can we, football. Can we? Can we do like? I'm a coach. I'm a coach. Can we do more sports questions? Like I can live with that. Like we're yeah, going like Robbie Anderson. I, questions. Questions. I know what I can. I can you're my with God, that. Sam. You know you're my you got guy. Sports question. I can live with that. I can live you with that. <laughs> a high school Wait, sports question. I gave you two. I gave you two sports questions. You got them both wrong. Grinder, who do y'all play this week? Maybe your mom's elsewhere this week. Who you got? Yeah, Open University. <laughs> no, that's no excuse. You got Open University this right, week. Well, this week, this week, Chris and Grice uh, picked their players of the week, but we asked mom to come on this week. And so <laughs> mom, mom was very talkative. So we're going to show this to you in two parts. So here's the first part. Here's the first four North Carolina players of the week. Well, is this week nine or is this week 10? This is week nine. I was on a bye week. I think we. This week going into week nine. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right, my man, Coach Grice, here we are going into week number nine of the 2022 high school football season. It's hard to believe that this season has flown by so fast, but uh, here we are, almost playoff time, and we have got some insane Grice's gyms. They got the phone call this week, so let's go right to it. Uh, right there at Central Cabarrus, we highlighted this young man. A week ago, uh, Adriel Miller, uh, he continues to be on fire. Catches 232 yards, three touchdowns, and a 36-24 victory over East Rowan. Coach Christ, we know a lot about this guy, but he keeps putting on a show. Hey, back-to-back, Jim, one of the first I think we've had this year. Again, Adriel Miller, these last couple weeks, has been putting together a season's worth of great yards so far. I mean, we're glad to highlight him again. I think, you know, the direct reason of Coach Bevelock was – winning streak here has got to be attributed to Adriel Miller. Again, great performance again with him. A guy you got to watch out for. You see some of the creative ways that they use them. They were successful again. Look forward to them uh, continuing to have a big uh, end of this year. And I know he plays in Cabarrus County, but they may need to consider him for Rowan County Athlete of the Year the way he's burned up them Rowan County teams. <laughs> yes, sir. Right. You know it. All right, let's stay here in the South Piedmont region. Uh, Concord High School, uh, Keon Phillips had it in a 54-19 victory again over Unfortunately, Mike South Rowan Raiders, Phillips accounted for six total touchdowns, completed six of eight passes for 92 yards, three scores, ran a 13 times for 127 yards and three more scores. Uh, Coach, uh, he, he really put on a clinic against those Raiders. He did. Actually, the Raiders were up. They spotted him 13 points. This was a tight ball game in the first half, and it completely blew open in the second half. And Keon Phillips was the, the specific reason why. Again, accounting for those six total touchdowns. Got the ball in the air some, but we know the ball in his hands was the place that head coach Darren Shepard wanted that ball to be against your South Rowan uh, team there. Again, it was going to be tough, but I think that they were able to blow this, you know, blow this game open with his great performance. 
Let's head all the way up to Western North Carolina, Asheville, Christian, uh, Javier Rice in a 49 to 41 loss to McCormick uh, out of South Carolina, by the way. Uh, Rice was 33 of 53 for 543 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, again, I don't care what level of football it is. You put up those kind of numbers. That is like Tech Mobile, uh, Madden type numbers. That's a big time night, Coach Rice. That's a big time night. And again, it was in a losing effort, but we understand that he gave everything he had to try to get his team this victory. I tell you all the time, it's a lot of fun football, a lot of balls going through the air in Western North Carolina. Asheville Christian, again, is another great example. Javier with the high efficiency. That's a lot of volume, 53 passes in this game. And then we're seeing with the 543, had a lot of big time yards. We're seeing here again some great throws, movement in the pocket, able to get out of the pocket and find an open receiver. I mean, I think that's great movement and great. Great, you know, pocket awareness there. Again, they were unable to secure the victory, but I had to highlight one of the best performances I think we've seen this year in a losing effort in Javier Rice. And let's head up to the 3-3-6 and a team that has really kind of turned it up this year, I think, that has done a great job, and that's Northwest Guilford High School. Uh, Trenton Cloud and a big 52-20 to victory over uh, Northern Guilford. Uh, Cloud caught five passes for 200 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Northwest has won five of six games. Cloud has nearly 700 yards receiving, uh, eight touchdowns. Uh, quarterback Tanner Ballou has thrown a 1,561 yards and 21 touchdowns. Again, Coach Kevin Wallace has that Northwest team really looking good. Oh, Coach Kevin Wallace you know, hit me up personally and said he thinks he has the best 2024 QB receiver duo in the state. It is hard to argue that whenever I look at this performance from Trent Cloud. Again, he's been doing it big. We know we've highlighted Tanner in the past before. This was a big-time performance, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this as we get to the late conference and you know, playoff stage for these guys. Trent Cloud's a name you need to know, pay attention to, because he had to get the call this week with that great performance. All right, well, that's part one, and now we got to go to part two. We asked uh, the mother of the oh, the, the biggest grasses, Jim, you know, person who gets the call to come on. This was a bunch of fun, so you guys enjoy this. We got another man on the screen right here that also got to call. Oh, I'm right, let's talk about. Let's talk about West Lincoln High School Mason Avery in a 35 to 26 victory over Newton Connor. Conover, A.B. ran 35 times for a school record, 397 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Avery's performance is the 41st best ever public school performance in the state of North Carolina. And on defense, by the way, he also had 11 tackles, too, for a loss. Uh, Avery, we appreciate you. Uh, Mason, appreciate you getting on here with us. Uh, Big-time performance. You certainly get to call. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, Mason. So we've got to talk about it. You know, in my generation and, and Guru's generation, you know, two-way players were common. I mean, growing up, we all had a, an offensive and defensive position. These days, in the, you know, in the era of specialization, it's kind of become rare. Can you talk about, you know, the additional legwork, the additional things that you do to get yourself ready to play on the offensive and defensive side of the ball each week? Oh, well, coming from small 2A, West Lincoln, most of our players are actually having to play both ways. And so, our head coach knows that. So as soon as spring starts, like we're getting conditioning as well as lifting because he knows he's going to have to prepare us even more because we're having to play the whole game. Oh, I understand that completely. Going into this game, clearly we all understand, and this isn't the first time we've seen you put up big numbers. We know and, and they know, of course, that you're the guy to stop. So going into this game, could you talk about some, you know, the game plan and just, you know, what it was going to be that you saw that would give you guys the advantage over Newton Conover's defense? Oh, well, I say, well, they had two pension twos, and so we knew most of the time they'd be cutting right then. And so, like, just the game plan before, like, 
our coaches are really good at watching film, breaking it down. So every Monday we have like we scheme for them. We set up their defense. We run their defense against our offense all week. So it's like nothing new on Friday night. No, I like that. And again, kudos to your coaches for for really putting you in that position to succeed. As we all know, you know they're great supporters in in, in allowing this to happen. But we have a first on Grice's gym. We had to bring your mom, Abby Avery, on again. I saw the tweet, you know, where it comes out in states that hey, this isn't just my son out here padding stats, compiling stats. He needed every single one of these yards, as I say, and every touchdown for his team to get the victory. <laughs> Hopefully, do we have the tweet up? We've got to put the tweet up first. I've got to see it. Here we go. So, mom, I'm going to read it real quick. Shout out to my boy. Because, again, this comes to me. I see this. I had a bye week this week. I was hanging out. I took my lady to sushi. I had a great Friday night. So I'm getting this. And I see shout out to my boy, you know, 397 total rushing yards. And, again, we, we've got to make sure we highlight, and she highlighted this perfectly. These are necessary yards to secure a game win, not amplified. I love that. Not amplified just to break a record. While he did break the record, hashtag drag the pile. So, Abby, Abby, we're glad to have you on. Could you talk about just, you know, your thought process here? We loved it. But just want to hear about that and about your son's performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I love spotlighting him. He knows that I um, I am I am all ball. I absolutely love football. Um, he knows I'm probably going to be somebody to embarrass him at a game, too. You never know. Um, but he knows that I'm pretty hardcore. Um, you know, we're, we're do or die here. It's you, you give it your all. Um, you know, I, I'll easily tell any of – any of the players on the team too, let's go, suck it up, let's go. If you get a hard hit, let's go, you know, get up, you know, work through it. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely love reading all y'all's posts, um, and that's why I tweeted that back is because I, I, I want to make sure that folks know, you know, I, I see stats too, you know, I, I read the newspaper, um, and I see that, you know, people can amplify yardage, Um you know, just to get a record. I, I know that. And I just, and I wanted that to be clear on my post too, that, you know, he worked hard for that. And that wasn't, that was not the game plan whenever we went into that, whenever we went into that game, like that was just, he broke free, you know, 60 yards, 70 yards. And, you know, those, those helped with that. Um, but that was, that's, that was definitely not his goal or on his radar for this, for this game per se, you know. Understandable. Yeah. So we got a two part question here and then we'll wrap uh, the first part, you know, again, he's a man, a few words. He's a man that seems like he's a doer and is going to lead by example. Talk about, you know, some of the things that you love about him as a football player. And again, we, we've mentioned the two-way player and him, of course, being out there all the time, rushing the ball so much, getting those tackles. Do you get nervous with some of the big hits he may take or dish out from his end too? Um, I will say, so um, I video every single clip um, of every single, of every game. Um so when we come home at night, he watches his huddle film. We break down my film, too, because I don't just record the game. Like, I break down every single play. And a lot of times, my film's a lot better than huddle. Um, so he'll come in. Uh, my husband will come in. They'll they'll grab my phone. Your film's better than ours. Let me look at, let me look at it through your phone, you know. Um, but – that I view the game through my phone. Like I don't watch the, I do not watch uh, the games live, like without looking through my phone because I can just visualize it more. Um, so I know as soon as there's an impact or a hard hit or something like that, cause I've zoomed in, you know, um, but I, 
I do get nervous. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, my, my stomach gets in a absolute wreck the whole day of a game because I want them to win so bad. My husband asked me Friday night right before the game, I was standing at the gate and he said, why are you crying? I said, I just want you to win so bad. <laughs> so, um, but I want that passion from from me and my want to to exude to that team so so bad, and I want them to want it so bad every single every single player. Wow, well, Abby, thank you for coming yeah. on. I got to ask you a quick cool question. Yeah. Do you ever play sports, Abby? Yes, I played basketball, volleyball, and softball. Yeah, so I, we're I, we're I, a very competitive family. Absolutely. I can tell that apple yes. did not fall far from that tree. Yes. So uh, we thank you so much for thank coming you. on. I think uh, and an um, incredible, incredible athletic family, incredible performance uh, Friday night. So uh, uh, we appreciate you, Mason Avery. All right. Thank you all for having thank me. Thank you for having me. All, right, all, right. all right. Thanks. Bye bye. Yeah. Tell us how uh, people get to call like Mason did. How, how are they going to get in touch with us here on the show? Uh, we know each week, if you've had a great performance, you know, reach out to me at Coach Jay Grice. Your Mason and family knows how to do that when he has big performances. Reach out to Ed Langston Works Jr. at Observer Preps. Let us know. Again, hey, the bar is continuing to be set higher and higher. We're, at, we're looking at stats. we got to fairly make sure we're getting stats that are crucial to a game. But, again, the time of the year we are, we got to have it. But, you know, reach out to us. Let us know you had a big performance. Try to get to us, you know, Saturday afternoon. I'm starting to try to, you know, make sure people understand we do have a cutoff as we're trying to get all these put together. But as we always say, if you ball, you're going to get the call. You know what? I would love to be sitting at that dinner table with Abby Avery and that family looking over game film each Friday, Saturday night, because I guarantee you she could probably break it down better some coaches. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of a good conversation, uh, Chelsea, uh, who we got on tap this week? So this week I interviewed a sophomore, Jack Smith, from Pine Lake Prep. Um, when I interviewed him, they were 7-0, and still are. And so just really talking about that undefeated start they have and his impact as only a sophomore. Awesome. All right. Hey, before we start the video, so you got a Tennessee shirt on. Is that like a clue to maybe where uh -oh. you're headed? No, at first um, I had one sweatshirt. I had one college, a ton of sweatshirts, and now my dad's been buying me schools that I'm applying to. So, told me you got to stop yeah. buying the sweatshirts. Good catch, Guru. Well, hey, we need Kenzie up there. Get you know, Kenzie, I like that. Hey, yeah. Kenzie will bring you on up there. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, Kenzie will take her on official visits. I, I'm telling you, she's going to have so many choices. She's going to have all the hats and sweatshirts ready for decision day. Just, we're so excited and can't wait. But first, let's get to this video. For sure. This week, I'm interviewing sophomore class of 2025, Jack Smith from Pine Lake Prep Football. So, Jack, you guys are currently 7-0, 4-0 in the conference. Tell us about how you guys got on this undefeated streak and how you hope to continue. Well, it really started with us um, in the offseason, in the summer, just grinding in the weight room, um, doing a lot of conditioning, conditioning, because a, a lot of us play two ways. So um, that conditioning really helped. And just right before the starts of practice, we do this, this thing called pre-practice with a D-line go over to the goalposts and warm up by hitting the bag and everything. And our uh, defensive coordinator, Coach McCune, he sends some of our, uh, some of our uh, DBs on like to guard routes and stuff. So that, that, uh, that, that kind of helps us out through the, through the season uh, to get us going. Absolutely. And Jack, you guys have three more conference games left in the season. 
kind of elaborate on those games and how you hope to keep going undefeated. Well, um, it really starts with us just staying focused in practice, keeping up that high energy. Because uh, when one guy goes down, the whole team goes down. So um, we just got to keep up that high energy and um, just just keep on rolling, man. Absolutely. Is there a game of those three that you're most excited for? Um, well, I'm I'm excited for every game. Every game, I'm always amped up, ready to go. But uh, I'd say I'd have to say CSD. That's our rivalry game. Uh, battle for the paddle. That's that's yeah. probably one of our uh, big games. Absolutely. And Jack, I know you're only a sophomore, but you played last year freshman on varsity. Just between that one year, talk about the growth you've noticed in yourself as a, as an athlete. Um. Well, I've 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 seen a lot of improvement with uh, lifting weights and my agility and just getting so much faster off the line. Like last year, I, I was in bad habits of like the swim move and stuff that that would always catch me. They'd always get under my ribs and stuff. But now I've gotten into a, a good habit of swatting hands and just just really powerhousing those those centers and the guards, just just getting back there and taking the quarterback out. Absolutely. And Jack, to those who don't know you as an athlete, tell us about who you are on the field, your game style, and also who you are off the field, maybe in the classroom. Well, in the classroom, it's my main focus is getting that work done. Um, but when I'm when I'm on the field, it's just it's just a there's just a click in my brain that just tells me that to tune everything out and it's time to go play ball. So just there's, there's, I have, I have like a switch to where when I'm in the classroom, it's all about listening, learning with my teachers and always getting that extra help. But then when I'm on the field, it's, it's time to go. Absolutely. And Jack, could you elaborate on some of your goals this season that you have for yourself? And then also how did those contribute to some of the team goals? Uh, some of the goals that I have for myself this season is I'd really like to try and set our uh, sack record for our school. But um, as a team, I feel like our, my goal to help our team out is just just get ready for these next games, get ready to dominate, make these blowouts, and just show people that Pine Lake is really a good school. Absolutely. And Jack, I know this summer you've touched a few campuses doing camps, and I know you're only a sophomore, but do you hope to get into the recruiting process? Oh, of course I do. Um, that's, that's one of my main goals. I'm trying to play at the next level. I'm trying to play ball. That's, that's always been my dream ever since I was a kid when I started off in flag football was always just to succeed with my dreams going into college and hopefully make it big one day. Absolutely. Well, you're already off to a great start. Thank you so much for hopping on and best of luck continuing the streak. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's you. I mean, I went back and looked when you started with us, Chelsea, to mm -hmm. now, and it's like you're so smooth. <laughs> Like it's like I'm watching like Fox or something, and yeah, it's, thank uh, you. Really good, You're really really good. But you gotta do fans little thing for them, you know, when you when you do do your thing, how, how people get on. So to be featured on Chelsea's World, my Twitter and Instagram are at Chelsea Simple. If my DMs will set something up, this is the best coverage you can get for high school athletics. <laughs> All the good hair bobs. I had to bring the hair out right now. Like I was just like, man, like the show's got some good hair bobs. I'm struggling today, but yeah, to he likes sunshine for remember the title. Yeah. <laughs> but Justin, thanks a lot, and we'll catch you next week. Make sure you guys hit her on on the DMs. See you all next week. All right. I did want to before we move on. I did want to uh, go back to Bryce's gems real quick. We got a couple. Uh, 
people this week uh, text in from Wilmington and one from Fayetteville. And they want to know, could they be on? And yeah, anybody can be a Grice's Gym. Grice's Gym is statewide. So you can DM Coach Grice right there on Twitter. You can DM Charlotte Krebs. You can DM me at, 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 at Alex Worst Jr. And uh, we can definitely consider even, like Grice said, try to get it in on Saturdays. Uh, by Saturday, 5, 6 o'clock, so we have time to kind of vet them because we get so many. Um, we, how many times we changed that thing this week, Chris? Uh, three, four, five. But, I mean, I think every time it was like somebody else coming in with a great stat. Another thing, Langston, too, to tell people, I think I said it, but, you know, even if you're not sure, like, you know, you know if your guy had a big day, and I think some people do a great job of this, is saying, hey, my guy had, you know, you, the touchdowns is the easy part. My guy had five touchdowns and probably close to 200 yards. Like, give us a ballpark. A lot of times, even if your stats don't come in till later that Saturday, it's best to let us know, hey, my guy had a great night. You know, he really, you know, did this, did that, you know, and I think that'll help some people because I think some people are waiting for official stats when if you kind of get an idea, we can, you know, kind of wait or at least make sure you're good to go when you yeah, find And then we get the officials. We get the officials on Sunday or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Grice and Alex, are you guys ready? It's time to do the top 10 games of the week. Now, I think we're going to start on the eastern side. We got to, because Bryce is doing so many games, we got to give him a second to catch his breath. So let's start on the eastern side, uh, Alex, and uh, we'll let Bryce get to the last one. Would you do the first one? Mm, a, a good bevy of games with some different implications. Richmond County uh, in a situation where they've gotten some things together since a rough start, dropping the first three games of the season, big game at Lee County. Lee County coming off a tough loss to Pinecrest, but a good opportunity for both schools. Middle Creek and Apex. Apex with a win this game. Apex still is undefeated, by the way. If Apex wins this game, they clinch second place in the conference and a playoff berth for the first time since 2014. Wow. Wow. Uh, Hillside and Chapel Hill. Hillside rolling right along in the the DAC 7-4A conference. Just taking care of business once again, still undefeated. Ledford and Oak Grove, a good triad area rivalry mm. outside of Guilford, out right outside of Guilford County. So a good bevy of games right there with some unique historical implications in the eastern part of the state. Maybe not as triangle-centric this week. We had a good bevy of triangle games last week, but still – yeah, when you didn't include any CMS games in your thing last week, you just kicked CMS to the curb. Right, all of a sudden this week, it's like we don't say nothing about those. Yeah, games from the triangle areas. What as I are. said, as I said last week, don't spin it up. Last week, <laughs> last week <laughs> the CMS schedule was abominable. This week, it's amazing. Okay, last week. The Triangle had a great slate of games. Oh, this week, it's, it's not impressive at all. Okay, well, let's, we, we're, we're, getting ahead, we're getting ahead of ourselves with CMS. Let's let Christ tell us about the big game needs, which is uh, Rose uh, taking on uh, – I'm, I'm losing my – Newburn. Newburn. Rose Newburn. Okay, Christ, tell me about Rose wins this game. 
Yeah, man, this is a great game. Again, you know, down, down east, these are two big powers. J.H. Rose, of course, making it um, to the state championship game last year, only to lose to one of the most prolific Dudley teams we've seen in a while. They get their big test on New you know, with Newburn, who's quietly becoming, you know, the, the best team in the east there. But, again, J.H. Rose, if they win, that passing attack throws off Newburn. I mean, you know, Newburn's definitely a team that – focuses on running the ball. We'll get to that, of course, in a second. But I always say for teams that run first, their defense is not used to seeing prolific passing attacks. They have to be successful um, against Newburn. Uh, Will Taylor, he's 21 touchdowns, four picks, averaging over 200 yards per game. He's a guy that's going to get that ball down the field. I mean, he's got his favorite targets, Kendarius Geddes, has 10 touchdowns already in this season, so having a great season so far. And Jackson Latham is the number two guy with six touchdowns. Will Taylor's going to get the ball to those two guys. Newburn's got to make sure that they're covered. Uh, second, they got to slow down the Newburn offense. I mean, we know, you know, last year's Mr. Mr. Football watch list, you know, stalwart there, uh, Aaron Herring. He's still there. He's still doing great things, but they've got to slow him down in that offense. He's going to run through him. Henry Walter, Jaquarius Brown, Wright Collins are three of the big impact guys on defense. They know who the ball, who's getting the ball for Newburn. It's not a secret. It's not something that, you know, we weren't aware of. They've got to make sure they stop that guy. Um, and then finally, they got to show they can hang with the big boys. I mean, you look at their schedule. Their schedule, they seem to be favored in every single game. The one game they weren't, of course, was with Cleveland. They lost 43-28. to 28. I think that these games, and of course, this is a conference game. They're split three, four, a conference. They've got to show and make that stamp that, hey, we can hang with the big boys. We're going to be ready for the playoffs. And, again, get back to that state championship game. All right. Flip it for me. Tell me why Newburn wins. Newburn wins again. We talked. I mentioned him already. Uh, Aaron Herring. He's got to continue his great season. He has over a thousand yards and ten touchdowns. Still having a great year. A guy that did it last year is showing again. He's one of the best guys in this state running that football. He does. It, he does his job. But no surprises. They're going to take care of business. All right. Let's get to this year's Mr. Football Watch List from Newburn. KJ Sampson. I mean, he's one of the sack leaders in the state. One of the best defensive players that we have, and one of the best players in the state, regardless of position. He's got to be, you know, continue to be dominant. He's got to help make sure that they slow down that uh, that passing attack from J.H. Rose. Get the quarterback Will Taylor and continue on his uh, his, his sacks that he keeps piling up every week. And then finally, they've got to show that they're ready to be the beast of the Eastern Foy Fight Club. Um, you know, they've got the, you know, we always talk about the guys in the triangle, the Millbrooks, the Rollsvilles, the Gibbons, all of the, those guys there. Newburn is going to be hosting a lot of these big teams if they're able to show that they're one of the best teams in the East later in those third and fourth rounds. This puts a stamp on that and ensures that those teams have got to come out there if they want to make sure they make it to the state championship games. Alex, final word here. Final word, I do agree with Newburn. I can say that what we're seeing with Newburn's juniors and seniors now with Herring and Sampson, this is the culmination of what has been a three to four year maturation process. And uh, Jonathan is right on point. Can they show that they're ready to be the beast of the East? These are the same guys who showed flashes of brilliance in 2019 in a game at Newburn and in the spring of 2021 in the state semifinal. Mm-hmm. At Cardinal Gibbons. Now, were they in a were they in a position then to surpass the Gibbons defense and Nick Drew? Not quite. But <laughs> at the same time, but 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 they did show flashes in both of those games, which I saw in person both of the time. I mean, they they drove hard 
that game in Newburn in 19 on the first drive right. and show that they were forced to be reckoned with. So the pieces are there. This is the culmination of a maturation process. So we got our Nick Drew reference in uh, right there. I knew, I knew it was coming. All right, before we get to the Western games, uh, Sam does his frontline warrior thing. And Sam, who did you talk to this week? Frontline warriors switched it up on me a little bit this week. Um, <clears throat> hold on one second, my mic. Look at the show. Look it's at the live show. TV, man. You did show. Part of the show. He's on TV. Sorry, bro. But he does a he does a lineman every week, and, and although he, he actually doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, Sam, you got you got a fan here, uh, Alex. You got a fan here. <laughs> Nick Drew, president. Nick Drew, president. But Sam interviewed uh, Sean McFarland, Marvin Ridge. We're gonna drop that real quick. Hey, I'm Coach Sam Griner. Uh, another episode of the Frontline Warrior. This week, we have Sean McFarland from Marvin Ridge coming off a big win, 44 to nothing over Cupperson. And uh, talk a little bit about that game, Sean. Yeah, you always have respect for your opponent. And uh, I mean, I was like, uh, just take it like any other game, you know? Well, I got you. I mean, you're you're coached by one of the best O-line coaches in the entire state. He That's runs a great coach. Finish, finish O-line Academy, Coach Leggett. Uh, he does a great job. We're going to see a lot of this in your film. We're going to let the film roll while we're talking a little bit. But uh, tell me about what did you grade out this game? Uh, I graded out at 91 this game. Okay. That's really good. <laughs> Anything over 90 is fantastic. You remember how many knockdowns you had? I know we counted. Uh, well, Coach we, Lane, he said I had 14. Yeah, 14, zero sacks allowed. That's, that's big time. That's frontline warrior capability. And I just love that. You're playing left tackle because you're one of the best linemen, you know, probably in Union County, and you're doing a great job for your team. But more than likely at college, you're going to play guard and center, but you do what's best for your team. Talk about doing what's best for your team, playing at a different position you will in college. So for uh, for my team, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do what's best for our team. And uh, I mean, that whatever it takes to help us win, really. That's really good, Sean. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? I mean, you yeah. got to do what's best for your team. When you're doing a great job, if you're winning 44 nothing, there's no doubt about it. Let's watch your highlight a little bit, and let's go through it. I mean, your, your kick slide being, you know, taught by Coach Leggett is going to be bar none, one of the best there is. Coming off the ball, I saw some of your highlights. You had a lot of knockdowns, but you're never getting beat. It seems like your base is really good. I know he talks about one of his things called a drive catch. Tell me about the drive catch, you know, the technique that he teaches. Yeah, so you do not want to, like, reach when you go back with your foot. It's almost like you want to drive off that uh, front leg pretty much. Yeah. So you're not, like, opening up or you're not putting too much weight on that one leg. I mean, you, you want to stay balanced pretty much and keep your uh, knees uh, inside the ankles pretty much. No doubt. Yeah, a big hip hinge guy. I know. I mean, Coach Leggett, he, he coaches the heck yeah, out of it. He's big on it. I mean, even the weight room he is. No doubt. But he's he's one of the best of the land. And uh, Sean McFarland, I, I really appreciate you being on this episode of Frontline Warrior. You're doing a great job. Keep leading your team and proud of you, brother. Thank you. If you want to come on, Frontline Warrior, please hit me up on Twitter. It's at Coach Sam Griner. Also, you can hit up at Charlotte Preps on Twitter as well. Even hit up Langston Wirtz. He'll love getting those at Langston Wirtz Jr. Please, Frontline Warrior, we need some more. We can only have one, only one per week. Looking for the next one.
You see how Sam's trying to get my inbox even more full than already. My bad. My bad. Speaking in them. No, I mean, we want, you know, we want to feature kids on this show, and we have lots of ways of feature you guys. You know, kids used to always tell me you're hating on me, sleeping on me. Well, this show gives you four, five, six different ways to come on. And uh, let's get back to these games, Alex. Let's flip it over to the west side. We'll leave uh, Grigsville's bottom three. All right. Bunker Hill and Maiden, just another great rivalry deal in that Unifor area. Once again, the uh, Unifor has a unique flavor to it in its entire sports landscape. Also, the Unifor, that area is a, uh, one of uh, Langston Wirtz's favorite areas to visit, as he did for years during the uh, high school basketball regionals. <laughs> the, uh, just- I didn't like the regionals up there. No, I didn't like that. I like the area, but that. No, what you see is just the community pride of both of these schools that spans generations. You see the uh, student athletes who had fathers and grandfathers play for these schools, which gives it a unique feel to it. And it's always competitive football all the way around. So. <laughs> Grace, were you able to vet that stat that person sent to us earlier today about the, the, the difference in those games? I didn't look at it. I wasn't able to, but it was just – I think it was just one of those great things about this show, of just people sending us, you know, their, the the list of just the history between that game. And, I mean, I'm excited. I think that's – it's cool to see just all the buildup around a big-time game like that. All right, Alex, tell me about this next game because I think Mr. Grice might know a little something about this game, but we're going to put him on the spot. But tell us about this next game. Well, this is a game, I mean, just like we get excited in the East when our teams have to line up against Nick Drew's defense, so too do we get excited every time in the West when teams have to line up and try to find new innovative ways to stop the offense of the one and the only Jonathan Grice. So the 50 half the time this year. Well, well, what you're seeing right here is you're seeing just the epitome of the, infu- the infusion of 336 tendencies in 704. And Mr. Grice is showing, I mean, this is extending beyond Mecklenburg County into the surrounding counties. And the influence of 336 infusing on 704 goes beyond Mecklenburg County, like I just said. So when you have innovative offensive minds sharing the wealth of knowledge that they have and imparting that infinite wisdom to young impressionable student athletes, then they will ball and they will get the call. And, 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 and maybe sooner or later, if they follow the right path, they may be 704 made and 704 paid. Like Mr. Uh, <laughs> you got grass nine eleven. Chris, what's gonna happen in this game, man? Lake Norman's pretty angry coming off that fifty-five to ten loss against Hickory. Knoxville trying to get some momentum. What's gonna happen? You know, I don't know, but uh, you know, I was kind of duped in thinking Lake Norman had a chance to beat Hickory Ridge, and boy, I was wrong. About forty-five points short. Uh, you know, I, I seen Hickory or I seen Coxville up close. I've had had a chance to see Coach Grice's uh, play calling. Uh, highly impressed with what I've seen. Uh, Coxville is such a dynamic talented team that can do a lot of different things. Uh, their scheme is really on point. Uh, so Coach Jonathan Oliphant and that incredible staff over there at Lake Norman certainly going to have their hands full. But, you know, they know that. They study film. They're smart enough to figure it out. Uh, I think Lake Norman, uh, you know, they just got to find a way to score some points and, and find a way to stop Cox Mill. But I think this is going to be a highly entertaining game. It's one that I wouldn't mind being at. Is it going to rain Friday? 
I don't know. I'm I'm not a Brad. I guess I know it's not good. Right, that that would be that would be a a, a, a huge uh, thing for Lake Norman if the field slowed down because Cox Mill has really good athletes, really good speed. All right, Grace, we're gonna start with uh, Catholic and Butler. Tell us a little bit about that game. All right. I mean, again, this game last year was probably one of the most entertaining games mm -hmm. of the year. I mean, you talk about the you're playing in Catholic Stadium. You know, you had Xavier Brown, I think, score a touchdown with less than a minute left, I think it was, to win that game last year. Um, you know, it's going to be a big game. I, I think, you know, the, definitely a switched up a little bit. Of course, Butler doesn't have the experience at, at quarterback. But, um, you know, Butler wins. Butler's D's got to stop Griffin Sovine. I mean, I think – you know, that we've got to see that, you know, Catholic's ground game is going to be there. I mean, look at Taquan Rankin, Jaden Coleman for Butler. They've got to be, you know, they've got to be good. We talk about Butler always having that great D-line and linebackers. They've got to prove it in this game with a great ground ground game there. And honestly, Butler's got to get the ground game going. I, I, it's kind of crazy saying that, talking about a Brian Hills offense. But if you go look, I mean, DJ Horton and Keyshawn Peoples, you know, they're averaging together about 100 yards per game or so. And I mean, that's, I mean, we just, you go back and, and look at some of the, the running backs that they've had in the past. I mean, you talk about, you know, Jamal Worthy even being the latest and going down, you know, down that line of all those backs. They really aren't running the ball like they used to. They've got to get the ground game going in this game. And then finally, they've got to minimize mistakes. I mean, you look at their only loss first, New Hanover. You had four turnovers, and, and it was a one-point loss. I mean, you know, again, so if they minimize turnovers, they're able to be successful here. With a young sophomore quarterback, you've got to you know, do a lot of things to get that ball out of his hands and making sure they're, they're taking care of the ball there. Dale, yeah, you see Good. I'm sorry. Yeah. Flipping it to Catholic. I mean, I think I've kind of said this before. Got to mix old Catholic with new Catholic. I really think that's a great plan for them. I really think it throws teams off. Um, you know, and I say that mixing the old Catholic with a lot of their wing-based ground games, you know, run game stuff, throwing that in there with the passing game. You've got a quarterback that can do it. Uh, you got a you know tight end that's you know Jack Larson that's that's extremely talented. So I mean, they they mix that in. I really think it throws you know throws teams off. And the second piece, it relates to what I said on the Butler end. You know, Catholic's got to get turnovers. You got a young quarterback on one side. The secondary's got to show up. I one thing I know about Zach Lawrence and you know at Butler, and even with Brian Hill's play calling, he's gonna put his trust in that quarterback to take a few shots. Mm -hmm. Catholic has been challenged all year. We go back to the Hickory Ridge game. You know, they're gonna be challenged down the field. They have to make plays. Um, and then finally, I think Catholics got to attack early with the deep ball. I know that's weird to say, but the Charlotte Catholic offense, that was their game plan watching film with the Hickory Ridge game. They wanted to get up early. They wanted to get points. And so they got the ball down the field. So I think Catholics got to do a little bit of that if they expect to win the ball, uh, win the ball game. Excuse me. Yeah, you've seen both of these teams. What do you think? I think we're going to see Catholic hit a few big plays to their tight end. That's one of the things that Catholic – uh, is real big on they they suck you in on that run and then the tight end is down the seam uh, they 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 hit him and hit him big both teams are are big up front uh, on both offensive and defensive lines I think the uh, if you, if you look at weakness and strengths of Butler it's uh, I think front seven is very strong. And maybe not uh, quite as uh, strong in the secondary, which kind of goes counter to the um, uh, Catholic mode of attacks. That's why I think you might see uh, some big tight end plays. I think it's going to be a great ball game. One, I like to see. 
I like to see the. I think there's a lot of alumni that's going to show up at this game for Butler. I, I hope that they have the same type of fan base that like Catholic does at home. I think that'll be a big advantage. You know what Catholic the term do to Butler what the 49ers did to the Panthers. You can't equal Catholic's yeah, home, but <laughs> look at Greg. Grice, Grice was at the game screaming for the 49ers in the Panther Stadium. Sad. Sad. Hey, we I, mean, I, I mean, I don't get it. Gary, Gary too, 49er fan. I don't get it. No. I mean, I honestly think I think Stone. No, no. I think Stone's defense, Stone's defense doesn't get enough credit. I think they're one of the better defenses in the state. He's really good. I think he'll be well prepared for Catholic. He knows about the tight end. He'll do a great job there. I think it'll be more of a defensive game than you think. I think Dale makes a great point about the tight end. Uh, that kid is like Kelsey uh, for Catholic. Oh, he's really good. Not just he's him. The two I think the best tight ends I've seen this year are, are that kid at Catholic and the kid at Weddington, Griffin Reimer. I think the kid at Weddington's good. The yeah, kid at Weddington's incredible. I mean, he's you really know what? Using using the tight end, using the tight end is a lost art. Most coaches don't know how to coach a tight end anymore. They do with Catholic and Weddington. He's probably the same. He must have fourteen catches. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah, you don't get those kids. Absolutely incredible. All right, uh, Grace, we're going to talk about Mallet Creek and Huff and the big uh, CMS game. And let me find out what we're going to start. Let's start with why Creek wins. If Creek wins, I mean, I don't think anything's, you know, a surprise here. They've got to have enough offense to be successful. Um, we've seen some of their big games. You know, if Creek gets to 20 points, I don't think there's any beating them, honestly. Um, their defense is going to show up. They preach defense first there. I think that they're going to really be, you know, <laughs> Jason Bass. But I, th I think they're really going to have to do that and, and get some shots down the field and put some points up early on the help defense. Uh, secondly, the defense has got to force turnovers and interceptions from Tad Hudson. I mean, honestly, I think that defense has got to come up big. I mean, you talk about, you know, Michael Short, a combination of linebackers, he and Jamil Muldrow, uh, Darren Hamilton, one of the DBs. Again, these are all Division One guys. Uh, Ish Abdul-Ali, one of the leaders on that defensive line, has got to get pressure on Tad Hudson. Again, I think, you know, Tad has had a pretty good year, hasn't really been challenged or had anybody, you know, to really get him off you know, kind of being uncomfortable in the pocket. They've got to do that and make that happen. And finally, the third thing, we always talk about this with, with any Huff team, you've got to win special teams against them. I think mm -hmm. any Huff game, they always come out with a special teams advantage. They've got to be able to, to do, you know, to make that happen. I mean, I think Huff has the greatest advantage with Nolan Hoosier and, and you know, the yeah, team. Okay. <laughs> Fun is incredible, too. He's incredible. And, and I think with, with the combination there, if Huff gets two first downs, even if they start at the 20 and they're on the 40-yard line, I mean, you, you know, they flip the field. You're going to start oh. inside the 20. I, I look, though, you know, with Mallet Creek, they've got a return of ben, Benjamin Black. He's had a couple of returns he's taken to the house. I mean, he's a fast, you know, you talk about a track guy, regional guy in the 100-meter dash, 4 by 100. If he gets the ball in his hands, watch for some explosive things to happen. They're All not right, gonna get, he's not gonna get a return though. I saw how far that guy kicks it this past game. They've got to they've got to pin them pin them deep in some form, but you're absolutely right. All right, tell me why Huff wins. I want to hear from Cameron because Cameron's making Cameron's making some chatter in the chat back there. Let's see if he's gonna say it with his chest. But go ahead, uh Grash. Tell me why Huff wins. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they've got to win the special teams. I, I think even even the point I made, you know, even the in the regional final, if I've got one of the best players, including special teams and everything that I believe Nolan Hoosier is. You give me the ball on that 35-yard line, and I got an opportunity to try a 53-yard field goal with that kid. I'm taking it. That kid is that good. I've seen him kick 46, 46 47-yard field goals in 30-degree weather. That yeah. kid is one of the best, you know, best guys, I think, in the state as far as what he does. So Hub has to win the special teams portion of this game, even on the return game, whether it's uh, – 
brothers, Markel or Carmel Quick, that are back there for the kick return game. Markel Quick, again, had a big return two years running in the Chambers uh, Huff game. He's a guy you've got to watch for in Huff's uh, return game. So, you know, I've heard some doubt maybe of injury there. If he plays, he's going to be a guy to watch in that special teams portion. Um, and then secondly, get the ball to key players. I think, you know, um, Kevin Olson, the offensive coordinator, does a great job with you know with Huff with getting the ball to their guys, especially this year. You got JT Smith, the bell cow in the backfield. He's going to get the ball 15, 20 times. He, you know, it's going to be a tough game against this tough Mallet Creek defense. Two and three yard gains in the first quarter to establish that run, turning to six and eight yard gains in the fourth quarter as you're able to open things up. Markel Quick, if he is a go, is going to be a guy that you look for that's a possession receiver magnet. He's going to get seven to eight targets. The DBs have got to be tough and, and aware of that on the Creek side. And if he doesn't, Jacob Dossie and Saquon Osborne have got to step up, you know, to make sure that they're doing some of those, you know, some of those things that quick does look for Osborne, of course, to go vertical in the you know in the passing game. He's mm-hmm. a guy you really got to watch out for as well. So they have guys, not exactly some of the names that you're used to, but these are guys that can make a big impact. And then finally, the defense has to slow down the run. When playing Mallet Creek, you know, again, the big offensive line, you've got a stable of running backs. You know, Tomar Bivens has, has been one. I mean, you've got guys that they can put in at Ja'Kai Patton. There are three and four guys that they that they utilize there, including the quarterback. And so you got to be aware of that and stop them and force them in the obvious passing downs. I think that, you know, Creek can't make 11 in third and eight, third and 12, third and 14. So, you know, defensive coordinator Chachi Sullivan is aware of this and he knows if I can get Creek in a consistent third and long, we're going to be able to get them off the field and get our offense back on the field. Gary, what's going to happen this game? It's going to be a blowout. Huff is going to kill them. Why? <laughs> and this uh, is going on Mallet Creek Twitter, I'm sure, but go ahead. Yeah, well, they'll get over it. Um, <laughs> they ain't sweat. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Um, Go ahead, Gary. Gary. No, the the Huff special teams are superior. Um, Chachi Sullivan, just like Grice just said, he's gonna. Sh- I think Mallet Creek's offense is a little bit one too one dimensional, and you got to be multiple. To, to go against Chachi Sullivan at, at Huff. I just think that he he's at the top of um, the realm. He's a mid-crew, uh, you know, type defensive coordinator. He, he'll find a way to get them stopped. And, and like Bryce said, I don't think Mount Creek can get 20 points, and it's going to take more than 20 points to beat Huff. Well, let's, and, let's- Let's be, let's be clear on something. Like, like the technical term for Chachi is just an head coach and defensive. It's not defense coordinator, it's something else. The defense coordinator is actually Stevie Williams. I promise you, like, you look on the field, it's like they both do. They're mad at you, man. What I'm saying is, they have two guys. That's Chambers guy. I just, I just don't think. Mallet Creek is multiple enough to score enough points against her. Cameron, say it with your chest, son. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say what Gary said. This could get in that Buford-like territory, like the blowout city. Like 42 to 7 at halftime? I mean, maybe in the end. I mean, I don't think it will be like 50-something to 6 like it was against Buford. But I think Huff has the offensive weapons to score on that defense. And I don't think Mallet Creek has the offensive weapons in return to score right back on Huff's defense. Huff defense. 
Puff no. defense is the best in the state, in my opinion. All right, let me hear from the guru. Let me advance you a little bit, Chris. If Huff is the best team from around here and East Forsyth is the best team from down there and they meet in a regional championship game, what would happen? It's going to be an incredible game like it was last November. I stood on the sideline with Coach Christ, Coach Pete Gilchrist, and watched a heck of a ball game. I just think that this East Forsyth team is much more seasoned. Uh, but I've got to concur with Gary. You know, I just think that Huff's got way too much right now going for it. Uh, I see Coach Matt Jenkins, Chachi, that whole crew are really trending and peaking at the right time. And, you know, it's been an evolution for them. You know, they went from not being able to win close games, uh, not being able to get deep in the playoffs to getting deep in the playoffs but not being able to win it. And I think that they have finally got to that point where they're on the precipice of doing some big-time things. And I think that against a very good, very talented opponent on Friday night, I think that they're going to take that step and, and kind of show that they're that dominant team. They're the big bad boys on the block right now. Derek Chambers says it ain't happening. It ain't happening. All right, let's just be honest. Okay, we're talking in the back. Up, Derek Chambers? I grew up with Derek Chambers. We used to get in trouble together back in the day. Dante Hunter says Creek defense is fast and physical, Sam, but able to get turnovers could be trouble. I think, I think Creek, I think Creek, I think it's, it's definitely not going to be a blowout. Creek's defense is a really good defense. I think that you'll see a lower scoring game. I just think that I don't think Creek will be able to, they might not be able to score any points versus Huff. Their Huff's defense is the best I've seen in a while. They're really, really good. Hard to move. Chachi Sullivan and Nick Drew. Did I hear that? It's, it, it, look, it's, their two defenses, I mean, Nick Drew does a phenomenal job. I don't see him up and close and personal that much, but I would name about – I could name probably four defenses better than Gibbons right now in the state. Alex? What you have to Maybe realize – returning starters from the state championship team. Go ahead. Kings well, yeah, I mean, we had that conversation last year, and we saw, and we saw how that ended up. Now, we all, we all know we, – we, we all know that this – this is a different Cardinal Gibbons team. We know that. And this is a different Chambers team. This is a different Mallard Creek team. This is a different Huff team. I think we all know that there are individuals who can be in that conversation for leading elite defenses. And frankly, I'll just conclude by saying that the saddest piece of it all is that 99% of so-called fans, and I mentioned this to Sam earlier this year, 99% of so-called fans have absolutely no concept whatsoever of how gifted these coordinators are and what they do on a weekend and week out basis in support of these head coaches championship pursuits. No doubt. I'll tell you what, I think this is going to be the most wide open for a playoff we've seen in a mm -hmm. number of years. Uh, maybe back when Vance played Wake Forest in that final 18, maybe um, this is, this is going to be wide open. Uh, Dale, would you agree with that? Am I, am I crazy? Uh, I, I think so. I, just because I don't believe we have huge dominance at any point. Uh, so yeah, I, I think so. I do want to. I do want to say, by the way, I think Kings Mountain might have the best defense. Okay, Chris, thirty thousand mile view for a. Is there a team that you think is really head and shoulders? Is everybody kind of? I still think Chambers has got something to say about this. I do, I do think that East Forsyth is just a step ahead of everybody else, but I think Cuff is right there on that uh, footsteps with him. Uh, yeah, I think there's three teams, uh, East Forsyth, Chambers, and Huff. They are very solid on both sides of the ball. Um, on the East, I mean, Cardinal Gibbons will be there. Um, I don't know if they'll make it to the state championship game or not, but I think they'll end up, you know, 
final eight for sure. Experience and good defense is going to be hard to beat in the playoffs when it's close. Um, all right, so we got one more game to talk about, Grice. I was trying to give you a second to catch your breath. We got uh, Providence Day playing Christian. Which could, could be a preview of the uh, private school state championship game. It's going to be an incredible <laughs> crowd over there. I, I do believe this is the game of the week at the state this, this week. And uh, tell me about uh, why Christian might win, Grace. Like since private school bias, you know, but no, it is going to be an incredible game. And I think the Christian, you know, Christian PD games in the past have, have been wonderful. But again, if, if Christian wins, Christian, you know, they've got to win the turnover battle. I mean, they have, I think, about 13 turnovers so far this year. They're going to have to steal some extra possessions against this high powered offense. I don't think there's any secret there at all. Um, you know, Jay Davis has been phenomenal this year. That that back end, that secondary for Christian will be challenged, and they've got to you know they got to rise to the occasion. So you know they've got to win that again. Going into that, the DBs have to have their best game of the year. I mean, you've got to guard Channing Goodwin. You've got to guard Jordan Chip. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge task, you know, for anybody to deal with. Uh, much less you know you got Armonte Ferguson, L.J. Porter, uh, two DBs, and the Christians, you know, secondary. I think that have been leaders as far as you know getting interceptions, pass deflections. They're going to have to have a great game. Grant Tucker, one of the linebackers, is going to make sure have to make sure anything underneath is taken care of as well. So they've got a they've got a tall task in front of them, but this has to be the game they play well. And then highlighting again, I talk about this all the time about best players on the field. For a team like Christian, who I would say is a slight underdog in this game, they have to have the best player on the field to win the game. Kyron Jones is that. You know, I said it, I thought about it as I was putting this together, kind of looking at some film and stuff. He's got a channel as the inner Henry Rutledge uh, from a couple of years ago. Mm. Come out there and really dominate this. And I mean, again, he's a D1 player, you know, multiple offers, a guy that I think will go on on Saturday to be a productive player. But he's got to really show that against his toughest test against his Providence Day defense. And Providence Day has had a couple of easy weeks where they hadn't had the starters out very long. But what do they got to do to win? I mean, they've got to stick to the program. I don't think that they're doing anything different. I mean, you know, hey, we've got to advance the ball down the field to shift Goodwin and and, and Holler, the, the triumvirate they have there, and then get the ball to Gallows and, and Peel whenever he comes on the offensive side of the ball on the ground. I mean, I, I don't think that they need to come in here doing anything different. These players that they have, you know, these positions are excellent players. Get them the ball doing a lot of the things that Chagres had them do, and I think they'll be successful. Um, secondly, they've got to contain Kyron Jones. I think, you know, Christian has some good players. You know, quarterback, I think his coach's son is, is, is leading and is at the offense. We know that Kyron Jones, and they're going to get the ball from him in multiple different ways. Coach, he stepped into the coaching program, and he's, you know, he's great on the offensive side of the ball. They've got to do that. And, again, for the defensive side with Providence Day, Keon Abdul-Rahim is one of the best linebackers that people haven't talked about. I think we've had him on fresh bases. He's a guy I think that's going to be, you know, have to step up big. Lucas Santwear and Liam Gruel, of course, are other guys on that Providence Day defense that are leaders. They've got to make sure that the whole defense is aware of where Kyron Jones is on that field to make sure that they step up and, and, and knock, him, you know, knock him down or, or defend him wherever he is. And finally, again, Langston, you know, we talk about this with Providence Day. This can't be a robbery anymore. Challenging, you know, you're taking my inner uh, with therapy. This cannot be a robbery anymore. If, if they're taking the next step that they do Providence Day to a national program, this can't be a robbery. Mm. I'm sorry. It's, it's when looking at these two teams, they, yes, you know, Christian is a good team, but Providence Day has to dominate to take that next step. I think Kyron Jones will do a lot to make it interesting here, but if Providence Day wants to show hard work works and take that next step to be a national program, they need to dominate this game to get prepared for the, the games coming in the future for that national I think, program. I mean, they, they talked about going undefeated at the end of the season. I think they have to do that and, and kind of win the state championship. 
not necessarily convincingly, but like solidly to kind of take that step they want. They can't take an L during the season if they're trying to be IMG. And last week they came out with the new Jumbotrons. They put new Jumbotrons in the gym. They're doing it big in Providence State, so they got to, they got to really go. Alex, you want to comment here? I think what we're having here is something that went on with independence back when it was on its run in the early 2000s. A lot of times people got confused between who could be the best team and what was the best game or matchup. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have going on here. Independence rarely was involved in the best game in a lot of weeks. Mm -hmm. It was the best team but was not involved in the best game. And that's what we have here. This Charlotte Christian Providence Day matchup is not the best game. Frankly, it it, it is nothing but a, a distraction from the best games in the greater Charlotte area. And it, it, it basically is one of those things where Charlotte Christian is doing what it's done so well in so many ways, and that's create distractions. That's all it's doing. Okay. It's taking away from the Mallard Creek Huff and Charlotte Catholic Butler games, which in terms of games surpass this game by light years. It's, it's a distraction. Congratulations, Christian. All right. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Every Catholic and Butler fan will go watch their game. It's not a distraction at all. No, I I agree with with that. We're going to go to fresh. again coach grice uh, my favorite segment of the show where we're highlighting tomorrow's stars today here on talk of preps north carolina going into week 10 and we've got some great looking young men who are really starting to crank it up and hey going into week nine i should say um freshmen sophomores juniors they aren't exactly sophomores anymore they're starting to get some games under their belt these are some guys are really starting to show us what they can be uh we're going to go all the way up to the triangle to uh, Rollsville, North Carolina. Braden Atkinson led his team to a 35-6 victory over previously undefeated uh, Millbrook. We know mm. Millbrook was one of Alex's big-time teams in the state, uh, you know, throwing three touchdowns. Uh, in the first half alone, uh, in the first six games, Atkinson had 893 yards and 11 touchdowns in his first six games. Uh, that's some big-time numbers, Coach Grice. Big time, and you got to highlight this fresh face when, again, we know about some of the names for roles, but the Byron Browns is now South Florida. You've still got Noah Rogers there. You've got some big-time talent. The quarterback stepping in there had to fill some big shoes, and I think he's doing so in a pretty big way. Kind of had a rough start, we know, early in the year. I think he took some time to get going, but this is a big performance. When you talk about he was the best quarterback in a game involving Mason Fortune, that's some big-time uh, talent here. So I'm excited to see him continue to grow. And, again, be on the watch for Roseville as the playoffs come. I really think they're a force to be reckoned with with a lot of talent. Braden Atkinson is going to be the driver of that talent. Watch out for him. Yeah, despite a couple losses, I still think Rollsville is a fringe top 10 team. I really do. Uh, let's go all the way out to the eastern part of the state. Snow Hill, a team that's really exploded onto the 2A landscape uh, at uh, Green Central High School, and that's Jamari Coppage. Uh, he ran 27 times for 166 yards and two touchdowns and a 26-13 victory over Washington. Uh, Green Central is 8-0. He's rushed 73, yard, uh, 73 times for 793 yards and 11 touchdowns. It don't do a lot of math to know he's averaging about 10 yards a carry. That's big-time performances, Coach Grice. 
I mean, you see him here, even with the film, little bit of film we have, just guys that's hard to tackle, able to utilize moves, look at the jump cuts in the hole. That first guy's not bringing him down. Again, you talk about Green Central, you know, emerging in that 2A landscape. A big reason why is Jamari Coppett. So I'm excited to see him as it gets colder. We're ready to see, you know, these running backs take over with that weather getting colder. And he's going to be even tougher to be brought, brought down in third degree weather. Yeah, agreed. Hey, another uh, team that has really moved up to 2A and handled themselves quite nicely is Pine Lake Prep. Coach Austin Trotter, uh, we know how they've done. In a 49-14 victory over Bishop McGinnis, uh, Gabe Bolivar uh, had seven tackles, three sacks, two quarterback curries, returned a blocked field goal, 76 yards for a touchdown. Uh, Bolivar also has seven and a half sacks in four games. I don't know what we're talking about. That is some big-time defensive numbers. He is a true football player. Oh, definitely. And I mean, Coach Austin Trotter's talked about how young his defense is. And I'm pretty, pretty scary with guys like Gabe out there that they are going to only continue to get better. Um, you know, they've been putting up big time numbers on the offensive side, but I'm glad to highlight the other side of the ball for him to show exactly why they're having the success they're having. So, again, a kid like Gabe, you're seeing it again on the defensive side. You're seeing it in the special teams arena. He's going to be an all around kid and one of those guys that Coach Trotter is going to rely on as they continue to see how far they can go into a. All right, and finally tonight, let's go all the way back down to eastern North Carolina to the Port City in Wilmington, the New Hanover High School. Marion Robinson uh, had a team high four interceptions and a 28 tackles uh, for a team that is seven and one, won seven straight games. No, oh, by the way, knocked off Butler. So we know that they're a strong, strong football team. Uh, Robinson, yeah, I'm just looking at the film right here, Coach, and I know you're an offensive guy and you have to really pinpoint them defensive guys when you're breaking down your film. He looks like that one guy on the field that can almost take away a half of the field. He can go in and take the run. He looks like a really good player. Definitely an athletic safety. I mean, I think that was, you know, we got the first look at them when they played Butler. You know, their athleticism, I think, was something that jumped off the page. And, and Robinson was one of those guys that did. So you're seeing him as a safety, being able to drive on a ball that's you know way down the field, but also be responsible for it, have in-the-box responsibility and provide run support and, and make that deliver that big hit to ensure that guy doesn't go further. So I think they're going to be pretty good. I mean, I, they're already showing how, you know, how dominant they can be this year. Some, some look out in the fight club in the east i think they're going to be pretty good this year absolutely oh again this is fresh faces uh if you do need uh if you are a fresh face a sophomore junior coming up on the scene how can they get in touch with the show uh feel free to reach out at observer preps at langston works jr reach out to me at coach jay grice again we have some guys that show they have good performances they may not reach the level of a gym i mean we get some dominant performances around the state each week but it may be to, uh, to the level of a fresh face where hey this guy's emerging and we don't want to look five weeks from now when you have that gym worthy performance and not highlight you our, our thought here is we want to make sure that we are the first to show you on this show so that everybody else can get to know your face and your name because you're going to be somebody to watch in the future. All right, man, here we are in the three shots. That must be time to lock the door. So let's go ahead and get coaches versus coach started. I'm angry. Welcome to another edition of Bryce got me while I'm wounded, but it's, I'm coming back today. I'm coming back for you. I hear you. Well, as always, you're the home team, Sam. I'm assuming that you're going to defer. No, I'm going to recede today and whoop that tail. Woo! He wants the ball. Yeah, we got to change. We got to get some offense going. 
Okay. Okay. Well, hey, here we go. First question, coach versus coach. Deion Sanders versus Eddie Robinson. Who was right? Let's before we answer, let's go to the video. Well, I think we have a video. Maybe we don't. I definitely want to see the video. Last play of the game. Jackson State moves to 5-0. 12th straight conference win for the Tigers, and they spoil the homecoming of the Hornets. 26-12 is the final score. Oh, a little heated exchange there in midfield between Coach Prime and Coach Eddie Robinson. All right, Sam, you're up. I'm going to be honest with you. Deion Sanders is the man. You cannot mess with prime time. What did prime time do wrong? I mean, you cho you chose him for homecoming. That's your fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going up there, hey, congratulations. You know, you tried really hard. You know, better luck next year. What's the problem? Deion Sanders is in the right. You can't be in the right because you ain't even got your mic on, baby. I love it. Don't hug me. I, hey, I was I had my mic there because I was I was already heated. Don't hug me, Griner. Yeah, you beat me and, and all this goes on. Don't hug me right there. We'll talk later. No, I don't need a hug from you. We're actually friends, but they're not friends. It's not a situation where you need to hug me. Shake my hand. It wasn't hand. a hug. It was Walk. a dap bump. Like, no, like yeah, a we're not going in for the real thing. We're not doing any of that. We I mean, there are multiple areas here, of course. That, that we could discuss right. But from a from a surface level, especially, and, and we all know that there were things that went on, you know, pregame here. You know, anytime we've been in this grinder where you're playing a heated rival, you know the kids have been going back and forth. We have coaches. You tell your coaches, watch the handshake line. You tell everybody to kind of make sure, you know, we knew things were going on before. We've seen this with Harbaugh and, and, the, and the pros with, uh, I can't remember, Jim Schwartz, I think, with Detroit. Like, the, the handshake thing, with their intentions building or in a close game or in a heated game, they should be very brief and kind of go from there. And I, I, we all love Prime, but I think in that situation, he should have used a little more judgment to say, all right, this coach may be heated and maybe a little more here. So, again, we all love Prime. He's got to understand, I think, and, and, and have a little more self-awareness than just say, all right, I'll shake his hand. Maybe we'll talk later to clear the air, but that wasn't the right time. It was he didn't even do I mean he wasn't even trying to have a full conversation, he's doing a little dap bump. That's just what we do. That no, 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 it's not what we do after a game like that. Me and you hug it out, Grice. We've hugged it out. But again, I also like you and I'm cool with you. I didn't have a situation where our kids are about to fight and I'm looking at you and Eddie, Eddie Robinson. Like Eddie Robinson's upset because no one even knows who he is. Now you know. Now he's now he's now you know who he is because of Deion Sanders. Congratulations. Maybe, maybe Robinson's mad that Prime is now more swag than he is. <laughs> I love it though. I don't care. I loved it. Hey, tell the newcomer he ain't swag. I love it. Oh yeah. Hey, oh, uh, let's stick with your coach Christ. Let's move on to question number two here. Should high school and colleges have the NFL style rules in place to protect the quarterback? Man, I actually think they should. Shoot, man. Hey, Grinder, I've had to go into games where I've had a guy, and if that guy got a hangnail, we were going to have to pause the game for five minutes or go direct snap the rest of the game, man. These guys, these pros and all this can hire so many guys. They can bring guys in. Man, I've walked into games, Grinder, and said, please, I've prayed to God. You should have heard my prayers, Grinder, driving up at Hopewell, going to play Mallet Creek back in the Big Creek days with Trent Simpson out there and six healthy offensive linemen. Please, Lord God, please, if he touches my quarterback, tell him to grab the flag, don't hit him, just just pray, just stop it, stop it. As soon as he tags him, it's over. I would love those protections. But but on a more serious note, I do think, and we talk about this with officiating, I, I do think there needs to be a little bit more 
in the way of protecting some of these guys. I, I can't go as far and be serious on this on this platform to say that they should be as bad as the NFL has done. And the NFL's already come out and said, we suck. Let's review this. There should be a little more protection around the quarterback at the high school arena, though. Yeah, it's just how broad this is. Like like you said, I agree with you because there does need to be more protection. I mean, shoot. <laughs> I've had I've had more issues than you have. Like we would be direct snapping to running backs if we go down with quarterbacks and stuff. So I've been there before, trust me. But yeah, it's we got to start doing a better job overall in every bit of officiating, you know. But those guys only have five officials. It's very difficult. You know, we're gonna start paying these guys more. I've always told people, you want better things to done right, just make it a competition, make it better pay. But you know, pay officials two hundred and something dollars a game. There'll be a lot more people signing up to do that, and you'll get better and better people to do it, no doubt. I couldn't agree more, uh, especially with that paid, uh, pay the pay the officials better. I mean, we're about to lose officials. You know, we lose yeah. officials when we lose football. So I agree with you 100%, Sam. Well, hey, we're going to stick with you here on this final question here tonight in coach versus coach. How much time should a college coach, a new college coach, be given uh, to build a successful program? College coach is going to take four years because you have to – it's about recruiting. Um, it's not like going into a high school and what you have is what you have is you're not recruiting necessarily college is all based upon recruiting. It's not necessarily the football aspect The recruiting overpowers everything else. It's the unique deal NFL. You're doing a draft. It's more schematics. And then it's the draft. Everything's more even. Okay. College is literally based upon what your school provides and how you're able to recruit those kids in to bond. It's the only thing like at high school, you're given what you're given pros there is a draft there's a process through everything college is a free-for-all like why are the same teams good every single year so you need to have at least four years to build and develop your own recruiting class yes I think he's right on that same time frame. I'd, you know, I'd go three years. You know, you have the incoming, you know, class. A lot of times, these guys are being fired. Shoot, they're being fired sooner and sooner to match that December early signing period to kind of readjust that class to shape it into, you know, to something that you would prefer. So I would say that three-year period again. I think that that each contract should be signed with a minimum of three years of placing this guy in position. Uh, I think that one, it makes sure that the board, the you know, boards of directors that are responsible for hiring these guys are ensuring that they're hiring people that are worth it. Two, it's making sure that one, these, you know, these coaches are being fired. Everybody forgets that they're trying to provide for their families. Yes, they're making a, a good living here, but again, I don't want to interrupt anybody's income with just, you know, these guarantees. Um, and then three, just, you know, again, you're hiring the right guy. You put him in the right spot. It gives that coach a little more security. So he's not out here being desperate and doing things to not, you know, kind of doing things to cut corners for the short term, mm -hmm. not building for the long term. So I think providing a minimum there of, of a time on a job can create that for a coach to where he's aware I'm building this program and these programs that are crippled by one and two year guys over years aren't sitting here having to worry about short term fixes to long term problems. No doubt. Well, that's it, man. Uh, let's do it another week. Let's do it again next week. Oh, you already know it. Chris, you're not like declaring the winner. I miss like you said a little bell and you like like say who's winning. It got it got depressing for Greg. Grice is an amazing speaker, but when it comes to mano y mano, it's just I mean it was like, like listen to Grimes. It's, it's, it's not a rivalry. It's not a not a rivalry. Not a rivalry. I want to hear from the guy who scripts these questions. What's the answer to this question, Gary? Uh, is this the college one? Yeah, the college one. How how long should I it think? Take? I think with the transfer portal, I think year one you come in and you see what you got. Um, year two, you recruit around what you need. 
Um, year three, you should start showing progress. Um, year four, you need to have a winning season. It doesn't have to be a great winning season, but you need to be 500, 75. You should need to be making progress. Right. By the time right. you get to year five, if you're not winning consistently, then, hey, it's time to move on. Colleges, they, they're making money like it's Monopoly money now, especially mm-hmm. at the Power Five level. What about if I go 2 and 22 my first two years, like Dante says? What happens then? Uh, you're not going to make it nowadays. You don't <laughs> make it. That's just say you need that Jimmy Sex. Dante's fine. We got to get you on the show, Dante. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you're not going to get that kind of time anymore. You're not going to get that kind of time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it, Gary does a great job of these questions every week. He he scripts all this coach versus coach stuff. I, I don't do that. Not not the game show, obviously. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do the game show. I don't show do the game show. I'm going to oh do the, gosh, I'm like, the game probably, show next week. Hey, who's, who's the top ten singer? I'm like, my Lord. I mean, Sam, what, what do you want the questions to be? I want – this is what I want to be. I want sports questions only. If you're going to take on a coach, sports I want questions, questions only. Oh, they should be youth questions, questions too. All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll, have two youth, we'll have two youth questions hey, and three sports hey, questions. Hey, Sam. Why don't you be like Doc Holliday said? You want a spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be very good there. Cameron, Cameron, you were making your point about the, the top teams in the state, and Dante was the things that Huff and Shane and Lisa Sykes are clear top three with New Bern maybe out of the East. Who do you think Cameron's going to get to that, that championship game? Obviously, we don't know what the bracket is going to look like, but who do you think can get to the Western Conference championship game? Again? Oh, that's a good one. Um, There's only two of those three can get there. I know that's. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to say Huff and Chambers. I think they're the they're the most tested. They've got the highest strength of schedule. I mean, not taking away anything from East Forsyth, they could make it just as good as the other two. I mean, anything can happen when two teams take the field. But I think come late November, it's it's Huff and Chambers. I think last week, um, who was the gym we had on last week, Grace Damon? Come on, Adrian Miller, the guy. No, the Desmond. Desmond. Uh, the oh, point Desmond he made about the point he made about having to go to East Forsyth and yeah. take that hour and a half bus trip and play down there. That's a tough, Chris. That's a tough place to play, right? Yeah, it really is. Again, I go back to that uh, regional final game between them and Mallard Creek in the peak of Mallard Creek's three P run, yeah. and I think Mallard Creek had to escape on a botched two point conversion play by East Forsyth and double overtime to win that game. And that just goes to show you how strong this East team is at home. I've been seeing that team do really well for 10, 12 years now. And and this just, again, seems to be one of those really senior heavy teams. they got great fan support. And, you know, that's just a tough, tough little stadium, kind of back in there behind the school in the woods. It's just a little different back there. Hey, don't forget awesome. back when Butler was winning. Butler had trouble with uh, yeah, those, these yeah, four spike teams. Derek thinks it's foolish that the CMS team would lose. I mean, I think it's very possible. I mean, I think, you know, we've been kind of spoiled with CMS being so good. But Forsyth is good. They're tested. They got a great quarterback. Um, they can do it running and passing. That, that They're going to be a tough out. They got a really good defense. I, I don't think anybody in the West is as good as the previous two uh, advanced championship teams. I don't. I agree. I agree with that. I think it's a little bit. It's different. I don't. You know what? I don't know because Huff has the potential to be really good. I think you shaking your head. No, Grace. No. Uh. Uh-uh. 
that okay, honestly, so that's that's potential, spring, but they, that's have, spring, they haven't been tested enough to do that. Spring, uh, that spring Vance Chambers team against Roseville was one of the most talented teams that I've seen. Like, oh, when they had like 900 yards, that was the huge 25 penalties. Yeah, when you get when you when you beat when you get 15 penalties in the first half. Yeah, 200 yards. Still win by three touchdowns. And then Chris sat right there and watched that. We was right there and watched. But the thing, the thing is, I mean, you're forgetting. I think you know Hollywood Smothers, who you know is not playing this year. Obviously, he is one of the better players that we've seen in a long time. Like he was considered a better running back than the starting running back for Clemson right now. Well, Chris says he's one of the best running backs he's ever seen. Yeah. So, and Cam, you, I, mean, you I, I, I would love for you how to good would Chambers be if Hollywood is Cameron, Chambers? Cameron, what, what is? Why do you say? Why do you shake your head? Because I'd love to talk about that. Me? I mean, we don't have the time for it now, but I just, I think Will Shipley <laughs> was just <laughs> really incredible. What you said. Yeah. No, Cameron thinks Will Shipley was better than Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not I, saying I, that. I'm not, not saying Will, it's leaps Will, and bounds. Let's get something clear. Will Shipley is an amazing football I'm player, one of the best I've ever seen. I'm telling you right now, Hollywood Smothers was different than anybody else we've seen in a long time. And I've, co- I've coached the number one running back in the country at one time, and he was better than him. It wasn't even close. He's athletic, first of all. He's fast, more athletic. He has great field vision. He, if if he uh, decide, if, if Hollywood decided to play wide receiver, he would probably be one of the best wide receivers in the state some, as well. Okay, one question. Yeah, he would question that. He will go and he will start at Oklahoma next year. He'll start. Okay. But no, 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 not not right away. Not yeah, not yeah, right, 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 right away. What they have right now, yeah, Alex, Alex, right away. He start home right now. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't see that. That was that was Oklahoma. Yes, that, that was Oklahoma. Yeah, he would start for them right now. Getting beat by forty nine to nothing. I can I, I can see him starting right away. They got smoke. Right, I got a question. Play at least, like, right, Cam. Why? Why was? Why was Will Shipley like an eighty-nine or ninety grade coming out of high school? Number one all-purpose back, and then you got Smothers, who's barely getting like an eighty-two. You got to get off the computers and watch yeah, the you're, game. You're, like, you're, like, I'm like, sorry, but these guys are paying a lot to go and go and watch. You, 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 you need a camera. Shot. Shot. You need a butt shot of the camera. camera. You can't, you can't be a camera guy. You can't be a computer guy. Listen, but I don't care. These guys are paid a lot. As analysts, I have been no, sorry, no, 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 that's the problem right there. You got to watch the game, you, you got these guys the who get paid to say certain things. Who, as Sam has said so eloquently for years on end, we talk about how college coaches get paid this, that these guys know no more football than Sam Griner does. Well, Cam, how many times did you see Will play in high school actually stand on the field? Oh, I mean, never stand on the field. That was before yeah, I was doing so I, I've had at least eight games that I've been on the field watching them, not counting them. And I've had almost as many uh, with Hollywood. And there's just – I have seen backs from Joe McIntosh to uh, – to, I mean, yeah, I've seen like, a lot of great – Andre Brown. I've seen lots of great backs. Zamir White. This kid is phenomenal. Yeah, he he is the he is the new version of a back you're gonna see. I mean, we would I'm gonna be honest with you, we'd be close to undefeated with him, just him. Yeah. Okay. And I thought he did an honorable thing coming to West Charlotte and got penalized for it. And you know, that's neither here or there, but I'll talk about it one day if y'all want to. But it's just he is a special person and he is he can change a game. Stevie Williams talked to him 
you know, defensive line coach for for Huff. All right. This guy said the same with Nick Drew is the Alex, but I love Steven. I think I think he's the best trench guy there is, you know, unbelievable. But um what he said was, you know, we could hold that guy for 20 to 30 yards on nine carries. It's those other two carries that win the game. You cannot do nothing about it. And I agree. Like, and the only thing I say is watching how like normal film or watching even from the side view doesn't do it justice. Being able to watch Hollywood, I mean, again, being at Mallet Creek, I mean, I've seen it on the sideline, being able to watch and actually see holes that are not there and mm-hmm. that kid find that hole. Exactly. And it gets tough, take it for 80. Like we like there was not a hole there. I'm talking that, to Chachi Sullivan after the game, and he said we had everything right. One guy takes one step to the right, and it's an, basically an 80-yard penalty and six points for my defense. And he yeah, takes two that, steps that back to find the hole. He takes that step back. Cam, and I think the difference in bridging that gap from Will Shipley, Will Shipley is a phenomenal player. He's phenomenal. more of a cool, hey, I'm going to catch the ball. I run great routes. I've seen him, whether it's seven on seven, whether it's tackle. He is a great student of the game. He's a phenomenal player. But I think the thing with Hollywood is that he could turn at just a little gap and just take that 80 and go away from everybody. And I, he, I, he makes I, others, I mean, I've seen Will do that too, but you know, you saw Will do it versus three A people most of the time. I'm trying to tell you, Will is a great player. I'm not taking anything. Will's criticized me and came out here and proved on this show, like, no, 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 no. no. He's one of the best. He started in well, y'all, y'all are three A's. He started man. as a freshman. <laughs> but we play a four A schedule, brother. We play I, I get that. Sam had the number one rated running back in the nation. Sam had the number one rated player. He's better than him. Player. Number one rated player. player. Yeah. player. The, the, the recruiting coach at Notre Dame that uh, spring practice when he came, Sam, if you remember, over at Harding. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and talked with him. And he told me that he was the running back coach at Notre Dame. And he told me that. I was curious, could could this kid play running back at, at, in college? I think he's too tall. Uh, and he said, we don't care. He said, that I've not seen a kid with that kind of athletic ability and that size uh, at a running back. I love him. Now, this is the kind of running back that uh, Sam had. And to hear him say this about Hollywood should, I mean. And I, and I can watch right about him. Like one thing huh? I say about Sam is Sam was talking about Drake May before anybody was talking about Drake May and said he was going to be phenomenal. Oh, okay, so he's supposed to get that back. And, <laughs> and yeah, and Drake May is going to be up for the Heisman next year. So I, I can't, I can't go against what Sam is saying. I think they're both great players. Cam, I think I love. I actually, he, he's stroking, he's stroking Sam right now. Ali was an Alvin Kamara kind of player to me. Stroke Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Yeah, he, he's he he's he's different. Holly Will Shipley's great. Holly was different. Uh, uh, that's probably well, I, love, I, I, I love perfect explanation. That is perfect. But with all yeah. that said, it's nine fifty-five. We're like blown out of the water here. Yeah, sorry. So final word. I'm going. Go ahead, Cameron. You, you can find a word, Cameron. I'll give you the final word. Watch this show. I'm not saying you're a bad runner, dude. I hope you go out there and break all the records. Demarco Murray, Adrian Peterson, go kill it, dude. But Absolutely. I'm just saying, for what I saw in high school, I just think Will's a little bit better. That's my opinion. They're both great players. They're both great players. All right, it's time to put the big star this one shot and give him his final word. Go ahead, Sam. Well, you know, I'm going to trump what he just said. You know, Hollywood Mothers is the best back that I've ever seen in high school, and uh, he is phenomenal, even though Will Shipley is amazing too. Will Shipley was great competitor. He's one of the greatest competitors I've ever seen. I mean, if you put him in any sport, he would be great at. I'm talking about pure running back, 
you'll see Smothers on the highest level one day. He'll be a top two draft, uh, two two round draft pick guy because of running back that's worth. Now, frontline warrior trying to get better at this. What I'm looking for is a frontline warrior, and I will do a better job each week getting better at this. Hopefully, as the segment goes on. Um, I'm looking for guys that can literally move another person against his will. It can be D-line. It can be offensive line. I want to see not a lot of pass ball. You know you got to do that in the game. I want to see highlights of you moving another man against his will. That is what football is all about, the roots. That's what's winning the game, creating the curve for your offense or creating the curve for the defense. That's what we're looking for. That's what I want to see. Defense alignment, if you ever have any clips of you actually moving an offensive lineman and putting it in the lap of the quarterback or a running back, I would love to see that. I'll talk about that. That's the greatest highlight you can have as a defense alignment, literally taking your guard, taking your tackle, and sitting them in the lap of a quarterback or a running back. I want to see that soon. All right. Well, there it is. Um, I will say Will Shelby did win the state championship in lacrosse. He set a, a, a school record for the 55-meter dash in track. He was a state champion in track and state championship, multiple state champion in football. So, I mean, so Will Shipley is not – If you if you, said, if you said who was a better competitor, like all-around athlete, I would say Will Shipley. Will Shipley, no Will Shipley is an absolute A1 stud. Hollywood did win Mr. Football as a sophomore. As a sophomore. That's all I got to Anyway, that's it. That's Sam Grinding, the football coach of West Charlotte. I'm Langston. That's Chris, the number one voice high school sports. Dale Ross, one of the longest followers of Charlotte Mecklenburg schools in history. Cameron Williams, the get, the golden training. Gary Richmond, the contrarian number two. <laughs> and Jonathan Grice, the number two voice in high school football. Yeah, you the contrarian number two. And Alex Bass, the contrarian number one. And we are at Talking Preps. Sam, 